That is beautiful. Bam, awesome. we're live. That is cool. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. Paul, what's up, dude? I'm Sevon. Nice to meet you. Thanks hey, for doing Seven, Nice to meet you. I've seen you virtually on all your podcasts. Awesome. Look at that room. Where are we looking? That's cool. So this is uh this is my barn um that is um uh in Massachusetts. So uh basically I've got a uh, uh I live in Massachusetts, Go Ruck is down in Florida, and I um uh and I, I work out of the barn here. I got all of my um oh I'll give you a little brief. I got every Go Ruck article of footwear that we've made, created, what we're developing and all that. Um it's just just what I where I work here because uh, I uh, I am too old to move back down to Florida or anything. So what? Well, well, uh, hey, isn't don't I, I'm uh, I don't know how old you are. I was born in '72, but um, doesn't Florida sound good to you? For, so you don't ever have to do winters. Like as I get older, I don't want to do winters. Yeah, I no, brother. I, for for me, I, I was I was born and raised in Boston and spent uh, uh I did my growing up here. So for, for me, the winters the winters fine. You know, and you guys are a different breed there. Boston, uh, Massachusetts people are tough, huh? You guys are tough. I don't know about tough, but we uh we're resilient, you know. They they punch you in the they slap other babies in the butt. They punch you guys in the face. Yeah, did you see my nose? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's well earned. What, did you get did you get in a good good fight? Did that to you? I used to box a little bit, so. And you did powerlifting too, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. Hey, yeah. tell me, how did you get into boxing? I know this is. By the way, for anyone who doesn't know, this is the uh, the 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 product um, uh, head of product over at GoRuck, but that's his most recent position. He has been everywhere uh, in the shoe world. Uh, it, he was at our beloved Reebok, who um, was around in the early days of CrossFit with the Nano Two, and but but his fame claim to fame there was the Reebok Pump, and then Paul was also the head of product over at Puma. Yeah, I, I was president of Puma for a little uh, brief uh, cup of coffee. I left Reebok when we weren't seeing eye to eye uh, in um, late 97, early 98. I stayed there for a little bit and then um, and then had a chance to come back to, for a host of reasons, had a chance to come back to Reebok when it was um, needing to kind of refocus back in 2000. So I came back in 2000 and, uh, and stayed there until 15. Okay, we'll get to that. But I wanted to hear, tell me about boxing. How did you get into boxing? Oh, just, uh, just, you know, that's one of the ways you worked out back in the day, you know, uh, and uh, I used to go down the Y and box and, you know, just, you know, just kid stuff. And I, I enjoyed it. So, you know, did, did you like fighting? Yeah. You did yeah. like fighting from a young age. Oh yeah. Yeah. So me and my brother, uh, we kind of, uh, came out that way. My brother's uh, a couple years younger than me. So, and I'm, uh, I'm 63, so I'm a little bit older than, than you boys. So you're you're I'm uh, 72. So you're basically 60. I'm, a, I'm 60. Yeah, I'll be 64 in the fall. So. And, and, and God, and you keep reinventing yourself. Is going to go ruck reinventing a guy who came from Reebok? Ah, uh, so. In some ways, yes, but in, uh, in other ways, and uh, fundamentally, no, not at all. And it's uh, you know I. I had been uh, in research, so my background's in uh, biochem uh, as an undergrad. And then I uh, I did uh, nutritional biochem, and then I did uh, uh, I did uh, so I, I got my master's and uh, worked on my PhD, which I never completed uh, in muscle physiology and performance, and that's when I was doing a lot of um, powerlifting and Olympic lifting, and strength was a big deal back in the days. You know, right after uh, pumping iron and stuff like that. 
you know, the, uh, the, 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 um, the world of kind of strength and performance, it was, uh, it was not as mainstream as it is with CrossFit and, and some of the fitness things these days. So, uh, you know, we, we did a bunch of stuff. I, I did a lot of work uh, trying to understand how the muscle, uh, how the body works, how muscles work, how you, how you get stronger, what, what occurs and things like that. That was my focus. In, in, so you born it. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, sorry. And then, and then basically I, I, I abruptly left a PhD program. Long story, not for this podcast, but, uh, was look, did you sleep me. with a teacher? Did you sleep with a teacher? No, no. Basically, oh, oh, okay. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't embezzle money for a guy. So I'm. Like, oh. You know, so yeah, a whole different thing. So I basically, I just said no. Uh, and uh, at the time, I was a firefighter, and my wife and I kind of uh, were um, up in up in uh, Amherst, Mass, doing doing stuff, and uh, and um, I, I had a chance actually to go down to the University of Florida at Gainesville to finish my PhD and doing uh, with uh, actually the um, the original phys ed building down there in uh, Florida uh, is right outside the Gainesville uh, football stadium. Uh, and it was chock full of gear and research equipment that was being funded by Nautilus. Remember Nautilus? The, uh, I do. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so they wanted me to do strength research. That was my kind of focus. And, uh, ultimately I, I actually took an interview with a small company in, uh, in Boston that was working on, um, uh, that was doing sporting good stuff called Reebok. How small was small at the time? Uh, we were uh, $55 million uh, when I joined. And um, and I was the sixth person uh, in the uh, in the R&D department. There were uh, I was I was what's called a developer, you know, researcher developer. So and we had three designers and myself and two other uh, buddies that I worked with and um, started making shoes. And I found out I had. Um, a little bit of an aptitude for that based on my side. Paul, my- sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. Sorry, before we get too far ahead in the story, you're in Gainesville. How oh, do no, you? No, no, no. I was in. I was in Boston. I, I, no, I, but I, when you saw the when you saw the job opportunity, you were in Gainesville, right, for Reebok. No, you, no. no. Okay. How do you Boston. hear about a job in nine in what in nineteen? It was nineteen eighty five. How do you hear about a job? Are you like flipping through the newspaper and you say shoe developer? And what makes you think you're qualified to do it? I mean, now clearly you, you, you found the right job. But how do you know in 1985 that you can develop shoes? How do you get that job? Someone tells you? How do you, how do <laughs> no, you know? No, honestly, Seven, it's a complete Forrest Gump thing, okay? Uh-huh. So basically what happened was uh, I had spent some time out in um, – I had spent some time out in, um, in uh, England. I'm sorry, in, in Scotland. Uh, and I was doing research. Uh, on human performance, and I was working at a place called the Institute for Offshore and Environmental Medicine, doing all kinds of like really kind of uh, wacky kind of human performance work. Um, and also, I got funded by uh, by Nike to work to look at their Columbia Air Air Cushion shoes to look at muscle damage and things like that. Long story. Anyways, the out of grad school at UMass, UMass was uh, really well known in exercise science, and there was a bunch of folks that worked in the sneaker business at the time. You know, and, and uh, mainly out of Nike, because uh, Nike was the big dog. Was that the Silicon Valley of shoes? Was Massachusetts yeah. kind of the really? It was for the oh, United yeah. States. So, it was kind so, of the hub so, of shoe stuff. Yeah. So, so I did my undergrad at University of New Hampshire, and uh, I used to go over uh, on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons and uh, worked as a um, uh, for a couple of classes we had worked as a research assistant uh, at Nike Exeter, uh, where they did 
they were doing all kinds. I mean, that was the mecca of, of uh, footwear development and research and all that. And that's where, like, at the time, the director of research was this guy, Tom Clark, who became CEO of Nike for the longest time. Mm. And there is, you know, um, a, a who's who in the uh, footwear business uh, came out of Nike Exeter, right? Uh, and so, you know, again, that was, that was a moment in time I had no intention of going into the business um, through – uh, a mutual friend, uh, I, I got contacted. They said, hey, you know, you want to come down and interview for, for Reebok? And quite frankly, I, I was like, no. You know, I was going to be. Uh, and, and, and so then what happened was I went down and interviewed and hit it off with these guys. And we were hanging out and we had the interview. Then we did some working out. And, you know, we basically finished up with some pizza and beer that night. Uh, and I'm like, hey, thanks for doing this. And they go, oh, no, no, that's fine. We do this all the time. And I'm like, no, I get it. But that's, that's good old day shit. Yeah, no, this is this is old school. stuff. this is, you know, and as a matter of fact, from a from an OG perspective, I, 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 I listened to your podcast with Jimmy. Right. Uh -huh. And you guys were OG CrossFit. Uh, you know, I was I was lucky to be kind of OG Reebok. Right. And, yeah. and so back in the day, it was a really small little team. And we um, and it it caught on. And I, I found that, you know, in my chemistry background, I could work with uh, the material folks, the DuPonts, the Dows, the Goodyear people and things. I understood, you know, what those, what those engineers. What shoes tried. were you wearing in your interview? Oh shit. I don't, I don't know. Probably Adidas. Cause uh, I had an uncle who used to sell for Adidas way back in the day. And that was like, you know, I was probably wearing Oregon's or SL 72s or something, you know. So you didn't so, try to run out and get Reeboks to kiss their ass or something. No. No, no okay. That, okay, that's, okay. That, that, that's well. First of all, I couldn't afford it. Second of all, uh, that was you know Reebok at the time. They made uh, they were making just some um, track and field shoes, specialty shoes uh, made out of Bolton, England. Uh, and then they had they had just launched this um, this shoe called the Freestyle, uh, which was the first uh, women's shoe for, for aerobics. And at the time, I mean, it's 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 a kind of a not a silly shoe, but it's a casual shoe now. But it was kind of state of the art back then, right? So so it just wasn't my wasn't my shtick. So I ended up, uh, yeah. They, oh, I remember that shoe. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. My mom had those. Yeah. Dude, by the way, is this Sergio in the background doing this stuff? It's a. It, I call him Caleb, but he wouldn't care Caleb. if you called him Sergio. Oh, sorry, he, sorry, sorry, yeah. Caleb. Right, he looks Caleb, like yeah. a young version of you, dude. He looks like a young version of you. Yeah, dude, I don't know if I wish that on anybody. I don't, <laughs> but it's the facts. Yeah, no, that's very cool. Well, no, that's uh, that, that's a, that's a good play, Caleb. Yeah, so that that shoe there. So, okay, so so you go in there. Do you re, do you remember the workout you did with those guys? Uh yeah, we just did some uh, we did some lifting back. They had a little gym, you know, a little homemade gym in there uh, uh, in the lab area. We went for a run, came back, and you know, we were just hanging out. Ben, did you do bench press, uh, pull-ups, oh, yeah, yeah, all that yeah, fun, the dude yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that was that was back during the, you know, the old school workouts and all. In running, so so back in the eighties when we worked out, you 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 know, and I know, we you did bench and tries, and then you did back and buys, and you yep, never yep. did legs. But for the fact that you guys went on a run together, that's kind that was kind of ahead of its time to go out running with some. Oh okay, yeah, guys. so so, but 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 you got to understand, uh, Reebok, uh, the, the folks that were working at Reebok were, you know, they were all like legit runners. They're all pencil necks. I mean, they, and that's what the, that's what I mean. This was during the '70s, '80s running boom, right? So running was the thing, and so 
you know, we'd go out and I just, I did my fat man waddle back in the day, you know, and, uh, and just kind of, uh, you know, hung with them and, and hung out. But they, to me, the, the interesting point was that, you know, when we were finishing up, it was, it was just, I had known a couple of the guys and, um, uh, through grad school and stuff. And, and it was just a great vibe. Like it was a really cool vibe and it sounded, um, similar to what you guys experienced back in the early days. Right. I, I did many a hungover, a workout in a hotel room at seven in the morning with Jimmy Letchford. Many, oh, yeah. many, many. Yeah. So how do you, if you've never, what is the first position you have? So we know that um, uh, you're a smart guy and you went to college and, and, and you studied, you got a master's and started a PhD program. And we, we know you knew about human movement. That was your specialty. Yeah. And you had done some research. So you knew how to do research and you were you were interested in materials before I interrupted you when you started talking about materials. But when they bring you on, are you like, dude, I don't know how to make a shoe. I mean, did you start getting into the philosophy of what shoes are even for? How what's day one like? So day, day one is, uh, is, yeah, all that. And, and, and seven, to be honest with you, like. Uh, what I always tell people is that going into the shoe business, you know, you're not it's, it's essentially your you apply principles of knowledge you apply your background and stuff uh and and it's not like you know you're going in uh to get your um civil 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 engineering certificate or mechanical engineering you know like like it's a it's essentially uh it's a it's an, a, an acquired skill set of skills right so you apply your background and you learn how to do it and you, you learn how to put things together and all that and i had as it turns out a little bit of an aptitude for that and uh and and it worked out and like i say this was to me, kind of the halcyon days of of the sneaker business. It was the mid '80s, going into the late '80s, and you know, um, the the aperture uh, and the interest at, at the uh, in the population, in the world for sneakers, not only to wear for workouts but also to wear around, was really starting to kick up, right? Uh, and and these days, today, you know. Everybody races out to get their their latest iPhone, their latest, uh, you know, or um, or Android or whatever. Right. Well, back in the day, you didn't have any of that. All you had was, you know, the the, the moniker was what what sneaker you wearing, And and that was how you stayed on the cutting edge, having the newest shoe. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, and that, that's how all the cool kids existed. But for me, the, the beauty was, was that, you know, um, they they used to call it technology. So we so. Basically, my my job was to create um, new items that would uh, perform and behave in particular ways, depending upon what category it was, uh, running or basketball or tennis or, you know, cleated or whatever it was. You know, you wanted to make um, footwear that that could hold up to uh, the rigors of whatever athlete you, you are focusing on or whatever whatever athletic population you're focusing on. So you, you get there in 1985 you've, it, and it's, there's no program, a uh, college program on how to make shoes. So you're basically on the job training and you're just in a crash course and, and, and they're also wanting to pick your brain for what you know about the human body and materials. And so, sure. this, and you're with this team of six and what is the first shoe, um, uh, you, you start working on. So I, I, <laughs> Well, I, I worked on a bunch of basketball shoes that were already kind of in process and learned that. Uh, and we uh, and, and so, you know, I, I my first technology was this thing called the energy return system, 
which was uh, a series of tubes that would compress and spring back and blah, blah, blah. You know, all, you know, looking back on it now, it looks like, um, you know, uh, I don't know, elementary kind of stuff, right? But yeah, there you go, kid. Well done. Caleb, you're good at this stuff. I, I had... And, and, when I went to Reebok headquarters, I got a retro pair of those. I don't remember the so the sole looking like that, but I got a pair. I don't sure. know, maybe ten years ago that had that same color schematic. Yeah, yeah, most certainly. That that became one of our class, you know, kind of our classics and all that. And you know, um, yeah, and so th that was because of Air, right? Because so Nike Air at the time was really kicking up, uh, and Marion Rudy, um, uh, he he had uh, he had done the the Air bags, and that was really a big deal. So we we did a uh, we did a kind of a different. Uh, we did a, a different kind of approach. That was that Nike Air was the one I think I remember as a kid. You could see in the heel they made it clear, so you yep. like you could see the air. Yeah, whatever air that means. Okay. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So so we did that, and then and then the other thing, seven, which, which happened was, um, I basically got a, uh, <laughs> I talked to my boss, um, and um, and, and this guy Lou Panashone and Lou, um, basically had myself and my buddy Hugh, um, they gave us two tickets, and they said, hey, you're going to Korea to to basically live there uh, and make shoes because that's where we made shoes. So we went to Pusan, Korea, and that's where I I um, immersed myself in the process of really making shoes by, um, you know, working every day at factories, going to suppliers, going to, you know, mold shops and everything. Yeah, so it began, it, you know, learning on the job. It was a really, I was, I was super lucky to have gotten in when I did get in, get in with the crew I got in with. And, you know, that um, some of the um, stories that you kind of related with Jimmy, you know, and, and the, um, you know, work all day, do your thing at night. And then, you know, we'd always get up uh, 5, 5.30 in the morning and we'll work out uh, regardless of when you got home. Sometimes you got home, you know, just in time to put on your gear. Uh, and you'd just, uh, you'd work out and then you'd make the bell at 7 o'clock. When did you start having your own desires to ideas for your own shoe? Like there, I'm guessing when you got there, you're like, okay, I'm going to get in where I fit in. I'm going to help them with everything they need. And was there a point when you're like, Paul Litchfield's like, I got, I got an idea for a shoe. So, um, I, I think oh, the short answer is that like, that's, that's a little grandiose, you know, it is. It, okay. It, it doesn't, it doesn't really work like that. What it is only that, Kanye has those ideas. Yeah. You know, and you know, I've, I've worked with him uh, and, and believe me, that's, you know, I, so seven for me, I mean, did you see the new Trump shoe? Did you see the new Trump shoe? I did. Yeah. What, what do you think about the Trump shoe? It's gold. It's gold. <laughs> yeah. What is that? Is that a converse that they just painted up? I, you know, I, I don't know. It looks like to me, it, it, I don't know if you'd want to wear it in a basketball court, you know? Yeah, nine thousand. Yeah. I saw nine thousand dollars on eBay already. Uh, well, yeah, God bless, God bless all creatures, great and small. And I got, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not even talking about the guy. It's just, you know, right? The shoe. What, what the hell is that? Anyways, whatever, you know. What well, before I before I okay, I I know where we're at. Let me go back one step. What did you did you start reading about shoes? Like, what is a shoe? What's a is a shoe supposed to have? Uh, is a shoe to protect your feet from getting cold or from so, so attacks that, that, or what is a shoe? So seven, that's actually a great question because what I, what I learned and what I continue to learn today, you know, 39 years later, right. Or 38 years later, no, 39, um, is that, um, you know, there are these different kind of disparate pockets that converge. Okay. 
like uh, I learned a lot about actual shoemaking um, from the uh, from essentially the European uh, traditional classically educated uh, shoemakers, you know, and there's all kinds of schools and, you know, uh, things like the last, the shape, you know, the, the, the shape that the that the footwear is designed around, um, you know, that converges with, you know, and, and, they, and there's a lot of old school standards that um, that are necessary, well, allegedly necessary for making a proper shoe. Right. Um, but then that meets head on with um, with biomechanics and ergonomics and kinesiology and science and performance. Um, and that needs to um, meet head on with um, material sciences. You know, what's available? What can you do? How can you make it? Uh, and then and then you got to meet then you got to meet um, head on with manufacturing. So, you know, I mean, to make a thing like you and I could go make a shoe. Caleb would help, of course, and it flash it up on the screen. But uh, it's the kind of thing where we could we could do that. But how do you make something where you can make literally millions of them? Mm. You know, if you're lucky. So 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 manufacturing plays a big role um, in the um, in the execution of what people buy. Let me let me dig into that question a little more. So I'm a huge barefoot guy ever since um, I, I lost a pair of shoes in college and went barefoot and I was homeless and I went barefoot for two years. And ever since then, I've been a barefoot guy. I was yep. playing tennis with my son recently about a year ago and I was playing barefoot and I hurt and I uh, no, I wasn't playing barefoot. Sorry. I was playing in a pair of keen sandals, old man sandals. Yep, and I sure. hurt my knee a little bit and I've never hurt my knee in my 51 years because um, my foot was sliding around in the shoe a little bit. Yeah. And and I learned something that was the first like real thing I learned about shoes. And ever since then, I wear tennis shoes when I play yep. tennis and I strap those fuckers on tight Yeah, because it was that movement in the shoe. So like at that moment, I had an idea for me. I always thought shoes were kind of bullshit. Well, I know in tennis, you have to wear shoes because when you're running and you stop, you want to slide your foot and you need your shoe to like be brakes. And then yep. you also need the shoe to be tight. I'm just making this up, but you need the shoe to be tight so you don't hurt your knee. When you get there in 85, is anyone like, hey, dude, we need shoes for, I mean, obviously it's our job and to make money, but shoes are supposed to. And then when there's, was there like a, um, like I've heard Glassman say the founder of CrossFit, all apparel should stay the fuck out of your way. Yeah. Like, so, did you, so did you have a philosophy like, this is the sh uh, a shoe should. So, so here, here's, here's the philosophy that I use. And I've employed this with um, teams that I've worked with and stuff like that. And this is where, you know, getting bet onto go rock, uh, which I, we'll talk about in a little bit, but I just, I love the, the, the place because our product uh, needs to be transparent in its use. Meaning you strap it on, it becomes part of you. Right. So that it's not like this dangling thing, like a keen shoe slipping around. Uh, he you. froze. Oh. Oh, oh, you got me. Yeah. Okay. So okay. start again. So a, sh so, a, a, so, a so shoe, a, a shoe needs to be transparent in its use, meaning um, it needs to become part of you. It can't be sliding around, uh, you know, in a different direction or a different frequency or a different vibration than, than your body. Like when you hurt your knee, but it has to be apparent in its effectiveness. Meaning, you know, this thing gives you the protection, the features, the benefits and the functionality that is required so that you can perform your best so that you can be on top of your game and whatever endeavor you're doing, which is why you, you lace down a tennis shoe and it's been constructed in such a way where it protects your foot so you can go all out. 
and that's consistent with what I heard you say in another podcast about being at GoRuck, which is a relatively small company, although it's still big, but relatively small, meaning you you like the the you're not interested in a product that has um uh, a big product. You're interested in a product that's big in its impact, meaning it's like truly functional to the group that's supposed to be wearing it. Like well, it has a huge impact, like on a sport or on a, on a mission, like for a soldier or a basketball player, you're interested in impact on the wearer. Yes, most certainly. And, yeah, and, and to me, that's, that's the only litmus test, you know, and when I'll say shoes, which the Trump shoe isn't, or the Kanye shoe isn't right. Well, maybe the Trump shoe is to like, sort of probably uh, it's a propaganda shoe. And the Kanye shoe is probably like a fashion shoe. And, sure, and, 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 and those and, are a different kind of impact. You're talking about actual functionality for movement. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and Kanye's designer, Stephen, um, is a good buddy of mine. That's how I've worked with them in, in the way in the past. And uh, Stephen actually worked in my group uh, at Reebok for a few years. And that's how I got to know him. So he's a he's a he's a he's a full on functional designer, you know, and he does he does Kanye shoes now. So, you know, but, but, but to be, so to be fair to everybody, right. Seven, I, you know, I believe passionately in the product that um, I'm able to participate in and, and, and because we, we hold a certain standard. That being said, footwear is very personal, right? So there'll be people who buy that gold shoe and love it. Good on them. And there'll be people who buy the Kanye shoes and love it. Good on them. You know, my, my obligation and my responsibility is to make sure whoever buys a GORUCK product has a positive experience from, from, the, from the effectiveness of the product. Now, they may say, oh, I don't like it. I don't like it for this, for that. And that's the, that's the tough part. That's the thick skin part of being in, in, in product. You know, people have opinions and, and they'll be very, um, um, very open to give them to you. And, and we'll get to that because I'm I'm crazy particular about the shoes that I wear. Sure, um, crazy particular. Oh, so I want to go back. How how big? I remember the pump so clearly. The two yeah. biggest shoes I remember as a kid. Yeah. Um, I always hear people talk about Jordans, but the two that I remember as a kid, the biggest shoes were the um, Reebok pump yeah. and those kangaroo shoes with the. Zipper. Oh yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, and those were it was just crazy. Like all the cool kids had that. Yep. You either had the zipper or a pump. Yep. Um, so can you tell me about how big was the pump? Was it, was it massive? Uh, it was, it was huge, but to, to that point, and I, I thought based on our previous call, you might talk a little bit about it. Um, I can. Yeah. So, okay. Caleb, I'm going to, I'm going to do you one better. If you give me 10 seconds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Take your time. Take your time. I got to ask him why shoes are pointy. I don't understand why some shoes are pointy. Why, why do most shoes go to a point in the front? My feet don't go to a point. All right, so here's the deal, boys. The pump actually started looking like this, all right? These are the two very first pump shoes ever made, all right? Damn, those are so robust. They look like, they look like warrior shit. Well, they are, they're falling apart now because, because materials degrade over time. But uh, so, yeah, so this one here actually – sorry, let me do this in a way that's – that's appropriate. This one here actually has got a little uh, dimmer valve that you put on it, and you could fill up the pump by stepping on it in the heel. Oh, right there. 
Hey, how did it not just always pump up with every step then? It did. But what happened was with this little dimmer valve, you could essentially, you could set it so that it got to a certain pressure. Oh, and then if it, oh, if you overstepped on it, it just pushed it out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so, cool. I like that. That was awesome. And I thought so too. And then this like one that. here, this one here, we used um, a little, uh, we had a little pump in the back here. I like a it. Little, a little Schrader valve, a little, um, uh, a little uh, kind of car tire valve. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And um, and I thought this one here was going to be it. This was way before the pump. These weren't even called the pump at the time. So those never went to market. Those two shoes. Oh no no no. This this set this set the agenda. So what happened was basically um, we did a bunch of testing with some junior college, small college uh, folks around uh, in the Boston area, uh, as well as with the um, some high school kids and so. Basically, I wanted to see what was going on, and I thought for sure this thing was this thing was the bomb. Right? I'm like, this is the way to go. Because uh, you just walk on it, it was automatic. Well, as it turns out, um, kids would sit on the bench and they'd pump up the back of their shoes. And yeah. then they'd release it. And so they started interacting with it. So it just became... And it would make that sound, right? That oh, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was cool, too. So so, so, so essentially, they uh, they went ahead and, um, uh, and uh, you know, that... I mean, and this is the other thing about product. Seven. The whole product thing, everyone, like, Product's a pretty humbling experience, you know? I thought I was working smart. It's like, this is the way to go. People, when they're using it, before they, it was called the pumper, and they're like, we like this. I'm like, all right, so we got to make this now, right? So the problem is we couldn't make it, blah, blah, blah. Ran into a real break point where uh, we were in some super critical timeline, and I had to. I, I called in one of my designers, um, this guy, Paul Brown, who was a, uh, he had done the freestyle. He's a British guy, proper shoemaker, right? Uh, and I'm like, hey, Paul, we, you know, we can't make the shoe you know, uh, because we, we literally can't assemble it. Like I said, manufacturing, because of the way this is done. I said, we have to move this this pump thing somewhere on the tongue. You know, we have to move it here because this was the most accessible place. And so Paul actually did this design. Uh, and about, you know, five or six days later, he get, he brings back a drawing that looked exactly like this, right? Yeah, I remember that. I remember so, that. So, so wow. basically, and, and he said, he says, Lich, Lich, what I did was I basically put the uh, the pump up top here and it made it look like a basketball uh -huh. and 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 dude I, seven i don't know a lot but i'm like that's it like that was it like that was it so we started focusing. so there's a tube he figured out a way that tube. there's a tube that runs down the the no. tongue into no no so so and this is what designers do designers got hey this is what i want this is this is the this is what you're looking for so now we had to learn how to build it so i had to deconstruct everything we had done here uh, and, and redo it. And I had about seven or eight months to do it. And it was, it was, you know, people actually say, Oh, remember the good old days. I'm like, ah, no, not so much. Yeah. It's a lot, a lot of pressure. So, uh, but that, that's okay. It was fine. I mean, you know, not the kind of pressure that Richard Rice or Jimmy or Jason faced when they're doing their real work. So good point. One of those, yeah, it's one of those things where it's, it, it's fine. So ended up working on that and, um, ended up making the pump ladder. So, uh, I know we're on a podcast, but I'm going to move a little bit, okay? Yeah, yeah. Do you do your thing? You're going to show me how they got the air from that thing into the heel? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So this here, I don't know if you can see this stuff. Can you see it? Uh, yeah. Okay, this here, this is ultimately the very first pump ladder we've ever made. This is a, this is a brass mold, uh, and you basically weld it together. And this right here, man, is literally, I don't know if you can see it. Sorry, man. Yeah, no, it, it looks good. This is good. This is literally the first pump bladder. Uh, and so what it is, this goes down your tongue. 
right? This is on the tongue issue. This goes around. This is one ankle. This is your Achilles notch here, and this is your other ankle, and it wraps around the front, right? So it yeah. makes a whole it makes a whole fit system. And these dots in here are actually calibrated to create different levels of inflation for the pump bladder and stuff like that, so that you get like across the tongue, you get a uniform inflation in the pockets uh, around your malleoli, around your ankle bones. Uh, you know, you fill in the gaps so that the shoe was intended to be essentially. Uh, a custom-fitted shoe for the basketball athlete because basketball was changing ba back then. You know, uh, it went from kind of the old-school kind of set-shot kind of uh, game to a much faster, bigger game. Um, Julius Irving started it with the ABA, uh, you know, above kind of above-the-rim stuff, and Michael Jordan was keeping it on. Magic and Larry Bird were in there. You know, like, like the whole game was changing. The athletes were changing, and so we wanted to make a shoe that could, that could again, become – part of the athlete that bladder that you showed us right there does that hold that whole thing filled with air or just the spots where there were those little bags little nodules? no the whole thing to hold okay thing. one second yeah so it would, it would tighten up on your whole foot oh yeah wow so basically what would happen sorry man no you're good this is good and i like the background i like all the i like the shop look back there it's awesome thanks man yeah, yeah. this i got i got my workshop downstairs um, I, I make lumber. I got a sawmill outside and I, uh, I got my gym upstairs. So yeah, it's a, this a nice barn. So basically this is, this is not going to fit because it's, but the, the, I get the it. Comes, I get the spirit of what you're doing. Yeah. So, so it goes around and basically what happens was now this was made in 19, literally 89. So this may not work that well, but oh, it's, it's filling. So basically what's going to happen is that, um, the air bladder. Oh, I gonna, see it. Yeah. And it fills up and it fills up in all of these different zones and it becomes, you know, and it, it just creates a, a fit system. Why did that shoe go away? Does, does Reebok still make the pump? Oh, yeah. Reeboks, oh, they do. Oh. Yeah, Reebok's very much about the pump. Is that one of the longest-running shoes they've ever made? Oh, yeah. Do you know how many were sold? Was that, like, the number one shoe for a year or two or five? Oh, a long time, yeah. Yeah, so, no, that, it went, yeah, it, well, I can't tell you how many, in the, in the tens or more millions, absolutely. In the team that made that was six guys. Oh, it was me, and yeah. uh, and uh, and I had a couple of other. Uh, yeah, we probably probably five or six people. Yeah, I, I I was working with an outside design firm, Design Continuum, to help with the engineering, help with some of the stuff, and yeah, I mean, you know, the so it's so seven, and this is and what's funny about it, okay, so we did the pump. And I, I was out there um, uh, in uh, in Korea uh, at the end of August, beginning of September. We did our first manufacturing. We had we had literally almost no sales. So it was one hundred and seventy dollars back then, and it was kind For of a, one pair of shoes in eighty. Oh yeah. And what year was the release? Uh, in nineteen eighty nine. Wow. Yeah. So so well, all of this stuff like that 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 black uh, that brass tooling and stuff. I went to a medical grade. Um, a house that made like blood bags and sonar boys. And, and, and so this, this here uh, at the time when we first started cost $17. Wow. Your guys' ba cost. Yeah. Basketball Holy shoes, shit. Bas basketball shoes back in the day would cost between 12 and 15. So we're suddenly doubling the cost of the shoe. Right. Uh, and, and so what happened seven was um, we had to call in a favor from foot, uh, from foot locker and Reebok was pretty big then. Or oh, I remember Foot Locker. Every mall yeah. had at least one. Oh, yeah. 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 And so uh, so our, our VP, uh, this guy, Bob Mears, basically kind of 
um, you know, um, twisted their arm to take, you know, a container's worth, six, 5,000, 6,000 pair. But it wasn't until Paul Fireman, who was the uh, the founder of, of Reebok, as, as we know it, he, he held this shoe up at a big shoe show. Uh, and he said, this is what he called the freestyle of the 90s, meaning this is going to set the agenda. The freestyle, which was an aerobic shoe, that really put Reebok on the map and, and created a whole business uh, for women's uh, for women's product uh, and aerobics and things like that. Whereas, you know, the pump was meant to do that in the 19, uh, you know, leaving the 80s, going into the 1990s. Uh, and so immediately from there, what occurred was that um, firemen got the entire machine, you know, our marketing, our advertising, our promotional folks with all of our athletes, they, they basically created the story and, and they created the romance of the product. And so what happened, Seven, was that, um, I mean, I for sure, project was mine. I did it. But I didn't make the pump. You know what I mean? The, 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 the business units and the customer made the pump something that we talk about today that you and I are talking about right now. You know, you know what I'm saying? Dude, it's interesting you say that because Greg Glassman wrote this amazing lifestyle methodology yep. with, this, with this with this pyramid yep. and with nutrition at the bottom. And by the years after he did it, the whole team, because of Greg's vision and incessant talk about it, the whole team coalesced around it. Yep. And uh, the media, the trainers. And once all the pieces were in place, it just exploded. But yes. Yeah, it was truly, it, it, um, it was it was nuts. The whole team and everyone was living it too, right? Everyone yep. was living it and breathing it. And once the whole team got on the same page, so what you're saying is, is it was the development of the shoe, and it just so happened that the entire team got behind this shoe. Yeah, because the, the accountants, the accountants made sure it sounds like it was expensive. They got behind and figure out how to get the money to make the shoe. The, uh, the, so, the, so, the, so. the creatives who did the advertising were inspired by these new things on the shoe. And yep. so everyone started being like, and that can fail. That cannot happen. You can, even if the leader tells you to do it, it cannot happen. Oh, it can fail spectacularly. Yeah. And, and so were, were you guys scared? Were you guys like, fuck, this could be a, uh, like we're putting a pump on a shoe. So for me, I, I was, I don't, I don't frighten very easily. Yeah. And, and I don't mean that like a tough guy. It's just, no, no, no. Cool. It, 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 it's like if things get sticky, if things are, are, are potentially in a bind, that's where I want to be. Because, because did anyone pushing back at Reebok? They're like, Hey dude, traditional shoe consistent. What are you guys doing? This is just bullshit. <laughs> All the time, I, yeah. I, 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 I kind of, I was, I was a bit of a leper at the time because um, when we were, when I was doing the pump, and again, I didn't have a lot of, well, Reebok didn't have a lot of resources. I didn't have a lot of resources, certainly, so I had to beg, borrow, and steal and stuff. And uh, but that was my job, and and uh, and you know, so seven. So, I've done some uh, some lecturing and stuff like that, and innovation. Everybody w always wants to be innovative, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep until it comes time to be innovative because innovation by definition is disruption and disruption, you know, sounds really good when you're talking about the pump, you know, 30, 30 odd year, 35 years later. But when it doesn't work to your point, it can fail spectacularly. Be and be Betamax, Betamax. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Betamax. And, and, and so, and, and so those kind of things are, 
you know, I mean, even Apple, even Apple failed, right? Yeah. And Bill Gates had to come bail their shit out. No, um, uh, Steve Jobs. Uh, but no, but I'm saying Bill Gates had to bail Apple oh, out. Oh, you're right. You're the right. first yeah. time around, yes, they com- they yes, completely failed, and he's like, yep. "Here's two hundred. Even though I'm your competitor, here's two hundred yep. million dollars, and I'll buy two hundred million dollars in stock. Remember that non-voting yep. stock? I, that was crazy. Yep. I was like, what's Bill doing? Kill these fuckers." Well, so so and 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 that is to me that that is kind of the litmus test of somebody uh, who has like really genuine and fundamental confidence in themselves, mm. and they don't um, they don't look over their shoulders. You know, Bill Gates and Microsoft, right? And, the, and, and, and go ahead. Trump made people really rich, right? Some people really rich in the company, right? Some people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, were, were those those are the people that that I'm guessing were a little bit scared? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah. I'm but sure. they end up. But they they take the risk. But then they end up getting really rich, right? Yeah, but get, guess what? I get to do a podcast with you. Oh, good. I, I I'm not. I wasn't yeah. saying that as a dig, by the way. I love no, no, people no, getting no, rich. No, brother, I love brother. people getting rich. Yeah, no, brother. I, I would, I would love to be rich myself, but, but, but the fact is, I, I, I did my, I did my job, and I, I, I was fortunate enough to work with some really cool folks out there, and we had a, we had a friggin' blast. I mean, it was just, it was, it was great, and, and much like you, much like you guys, when, when, when you guys were talking, when you and Jimmy were talking, like, um, before CrossFit became CrossFit, right? You guys had some days. Yeah. You know, you got you guys were out on a out on a thin wire. I mean, I I know because I was I was there in the early days of Reebok when when that conversation started. Uh, and 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 so you know it wasn't like it wasn't like it was fully baked. I mean, I know you guys were committed. I know you guys are passionate, and I love the energy to the whole thing because that's that's the kind of thing that that makes for real cohesiveness and a real, you know, when you have committed teammates and stuff and colleagues, it's a, it's magic, right? It's magic. Yeah. It was. Magic. Yeah. And, 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 and so for that, you know, um, if we have a good project seven, right. And if we have something that we believe in on anything, you know, um, the fun part is the journey to get to wherever you're going. Getting there, I don't know. I, I, I know a lot of people love getting to the destination. I like the journey. I, I, I like I like the effort. I like the, um, you know. My first film yeah. festival I won, I didn't even go to the, uh, I, I was at uh, um, Forrest uh, Whitaker and Selma Hayek's. They, they did an offshoot film festival in Park City. I took my film there. I won it. I didn't even go to the after party. I didn't go to the award ceremony. I went to my room and cried. Yeah. And my yep. mom's like, what's up? And I'm like, I, it was such a fucking letdown to win. Yeah. I, like, I yep. thought there was going to be something there. Yeah. And I was like, so, it was weird. It was a weird come down. How close did the pump get to failure? Were there times when there, did anyone ever walk in the room, kick the door open, and you guys are standing around a shoe, and they're like, guys, quit fucking around and get back to fucking making uh, jazzercise shoes? Well, no, actually, so, so what happened was when we did this, we, we showed these shoes, uh, these two shoes uh, at the Atlanta Super Show which was in February, uh, early February. And Nike had their air pressure under glass, which was their, their competitor. had an, off, uh, an off-board pump and stuff. Um, and Paul Fireman's like, hey, we're going to launch this, these pump shoes in, um, uh, you know, at um, Black Friday of that uh-huh. upcoming, you know, what, February to November, nine months, 10 months later, right? Uh, and I was like, hey, Paul, we can't make those. 
And he goes, what do you mean? I go, you can't manufacture them. I mean, they work, but you can't manufacture them. <laughs> Fireman was like, hey, he goes, listen, if you think you're going to pick up a paycheck from us in December, that's because you're going to you know, land this thing. And literally, it was like I had a contagious disease. People were like, <laughs> you know, they're like, no. So, so, you know, it's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of risk and not, not failing. This thing here, so we, we did our first, we, so the pump ladders, and, and we can move on to show this up in a second, but all these pump ladders were tested for six hours at the factory in Massachusetts where they made them before they left. We had them tested when they got back, because we didn't know a lot about it, so we thought, hey, if it's in the air, does, you know, does this degrade, does it leak? So when, the fact, when, they, when they got back, when it got to the shoe factory in Korea, in Pusan, Korea, we had them inflated for three hours. All right. Like so inflated and then released. Inflated and released. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, inflated and, and held. So oh, it, and it, held. It, okay. And so, so, so that's like nine hours of, of of being inflated. Then after they stitch the uppers together with the with you know, needles and air bladders don't work well together. So then we had them stitched. Uh, so then we had them inflated again, for three hours. So there's twelve hours of inflation just to make sure the bladders work. And then when they put the bottoms on the shoe, um, at the end of the line, we had them, we had people literally pumping up the shoes. And they, and they had, they lasted or they, they stayed for another three hours. And then you had to listen to the air release. So we did all that. I left after first week of production uh, to bring back the samples. You know, and, and so they had another couple of weeks of production to do before the first 6,000 pairs were made. So... Um, I get to, I get back to Massachusetts and, um, weeks later, uh, the pump shoes come in and I had the factory, our warehouse rather take every pair out to make sure they inflated because they were, um, because they were, you know, it was just $170 shoe. So I get a call from one of my buddies on uh, this guy, Dave, and he goes, uh, Hey, uh, Lich, um, these things don't work. I'm like, what? He goes, he goes, we have, you know, over half of them just don't even inflate. Like, what are you talking about? So I thought like, you know, coming over, they, you know, some, some kind of, well, as it turns out, after I left the factory, the people at the end of the line, their forearms were getting really fatigued. So what they did was they took a sewing machine and they took the needles off, but then they had the foot, they, they had the foot kind of automatically inflated, uh-huh, uh-huh. which is a great idea. Except for the fact that this this little this little latex ball has got a duckbill valve here, yeah, and it's got a little floating diaphragm valve right in here. Okay. All right. So that little diaphragm valve, what happened was the sewing machine could not differentiate. Like if you're punching it, you can feel this hard edge. Yeah. The sewing machine didn't know, so it crushed these valves, crushed them. So they they would so that. That was going to be the last time those things ever inflated. So I not I suddenly had. How um, did you figure that out? Were you in a fucking panic? Dude, I almost fucking crap myself. Yeah, Seriously. I bet I'm I like, would be. I'd start crying. Well, because so, I, I, you know, I needed the job. I mean, this is this is my job, right? So basically what I did was I went to our model shop and uh, we, we basically took. Sorry. We took the stitching off the top of the. You know, this is a closed seam stitch. Took the stitching off and I looked inside. And there is staring up at me a crushed, uh, sorry, a crushed valve, right? And you saw that right away. You knew the shoe inside and out, and you're like, there it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. nice. And, and I'm like, well, not really, because I got all, 
So I'm like, holy shit. So I had to, I had to order like immediate. So basically I got, I drove out to Massachusetts, out to Chicopee, Massachusetts, Western Massachusetts, a couple of hour drive from Reebok. I grabbed as many of these little valves as I could because this is where they manufactured it. Drove back and me and four other people spent the next four days, at least like four, like round the, round the clock, four days. We had, I had a couple of people unstitching the top, me and a buddy would take out the broken valve, carefully put, you know, put in another valve. And then I had two other people basically um, stitching this back closed. So, and they, and they, and they all work and they all worked, but that was literally like pucker factor. That was, do you get called into the CEO's office? Do you get a call like on your landline and you answer and he's like, Hey Paul, you come to the office. I need to talk to you. Here's the best part about it. Up until about 10 or 12 years ago, I never told anybody that story. Wow. Yeah. So you guys just did it like behind closed doors. Yes, absolutely. Without a doubt. Like no one's, no one's ever to know that stuff. No. It's like that, you know, because, because it's either a problem or it's not. And we made it not a problem. How much, how much, how much money in pumps were sold? Is Do you know the number? Is it a billion dollars in pumps? Oh yeah. Like, yeah. A yeah. billion dollars in pumps. Yeah. Crazy. So, Are they still made in the same um, factory? Uh, same factory. No, 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 they're not. They're not. And, they're, and the materials have changed and there's been iterations since then. No, no materials are the same. Uh, yeah. So um, we did a, we did a pretty good job. It, it, did you come down? Were you married at that time? I was, you were married. Well, how did you meet your wife? I met her in grad school. Oh, okay. And you and yep. are you, you're still married. I am. She has not, she has not kicked me out yet. Congratulations, dude. Thank that, you. I, I love hearing that. That's a sign of a good dude. Yeah. Um, was uh, there a come down from that, from that pump? No, because emotional. No, no, no not at all. Because, uh, again, um, we had very few resources. So, you know, as soon as this thing had a, 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 a hint that it was, I mean, it worked really well, but functionally it worked. And so, you know, um, we had, I mean, I had running shoot. There was a lot of, there were a lot of projects underway and the pump was one of them. Uh, we did a thing called graphite, which was a, you know, became, you know, carbon fiber in the shoes, uh, arch supports. We did, um uh, we did new eva fault like it was a there was a lot going on so. you had a lot of irons in the in the in the oven and so you okay you were constantly stimulated hey i heard that you can't make shoes in the united states i heard that there's nowhere in the united there's no manufacturing facilities in the united states that can make a shoe is that is that accurate no it's not accurate at all uh, there there are there are a number of factories uh in the united states that make shoes now they don't make they don't make the kind of shoes that most people, I shouldn't say that. Um, a lot of shoes that are made in the United States need to focus on automation. So any pair of shoes, um, like this nifty Goruck ballistic trainer, right? God, that's a beautiful shoe. <laughs> Thanks brother. Um, so, so the, um, you could go to a funeral in that church or go on a hike. Look at that thing. I love that. You can also do great CrossFit workouts in it. Yeah, that's killer. Um, so, 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 um, but on any given pair of shoes, from the time the raw materials get in until the time the shoe is in the box, about anywhere from 120 to 200 different people will touch that pair of shoes. All right. Making things, mixing things, cutting things, you know, blah, 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 stitching, assembly, all that kind of stuff. So, um, 
it's essentially, you know, semi-automation meets the Henry Ford assembly line kind of thing, right? Uh, and so in the United States, there, there are just not that many people who want to make shoes on a, on a manufacturing line. So there, there needs to be a lot of automation. So what happens in the, in the, in the U.S. footwear marketplace, our footwear manufacturing spot, is that um, you need to make shoes a little bit differently so they're not, as, um, they're not as advanced as some of the stuff you can make where you can put a lot of hands on it. They'll make a lot of boots. They'll make a lot of duty shoes. They'll make a lot of things like that. That's what I was thinking. So you're talking about just like I was thinking boots, like work yeah. boots. Yeah. Does the U.S. does the U.S. military are those shoes? Do you know about those shoes? Are those made in the United States? So in the United and the if you're doing any program of record, which is a uh, Department of Defense terminology for like, hey, we're going to put this on the uniform. We're going to put this on the individual warfighter or something like that. Um, it has to be what's called um, Barry compliant. The Barry Amendment basically stipulates that anything that is sold into the Department of Defense has to be sourced in the United States, mm. made in the United States. And that way there, uh, it's for national security, you know, so that, you know, you can't have, um, there you go. Caleb, dude, you are spot on kid. I love this. This is very cool. So DOD to be 100% domestic in uh, origin, the items covered by the law have varied over the years. Okay. Yep. Why, why, uh, Paul, why are, um, shoes, pointy in the front so many shoes pointy in the front when we don't have pointy feet in the front why don't they make the shoe i i recently just saw that the the the, the nano 2 and um uh the savage one and yep. the victo shoe were are all using the same mold and it's a really old i think you called it a lass was the Hold term on. you used so, so so give me give me one second okay? okay sorry for walking away okay no please please I, I I don't know what the, I don't know what, I think that I'm I'm guessing that the term lass was like the the shape of a of the sole of a shoe and every shoe starts with a last pattern which is like the shape of a shoe. This is a last. Oh, that's a last. Okay. Okay. So basically, what it is, it used to be made out of wood, um, and but now it's it's made out of uni, uh, usually high uh, high density polyethylene plastic. Uh, and what they'll do is they'll mill it out. And the shape, the shape that you're talking about is essentially it defines what the shoe looks like, how it's shaped, how it's curved, the arch, uh, the amount of volume in the forefoot, the, the slope and all that. So that's the last. And so I heard I saw an article. I wish I couldn't find it. I looked for it again, but I saw it recently that there was that the military had a shoe handbook and that oh, they yeah. had this shape of a shoe and it's not a pointy shoe. And those are all the shoes now that I prefer, prefer, prefer. And whenever I wear pointy shoes now, I get something. I don't know if it is neuro neuropathy, but anytime I wear pointy shoes now, I get tingling in my toes. It's a trick. Yeah. So, 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 so probably because your 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 forefoot has splayed out, uh, being barefoot a lot, right? Yeah. Uh, and then when you crush it together, uh, you, you know, you you got you got um, in between your second and third metatarsal head, which is your your toe. You have a, a nerve cluster, and what you can do is if you impinge on it and impinge the blood flow and pinch on the nerves a little bit, uh, it creates a tingling sensation, like your feet going to sleep. Yeah, yeah, especially yep. on the outside toes. Yeah. Um, why did they ever make a pointy shoe? Why why aren't all shoes like? Why don't we walk around like? Why don't all shoes look like duck feet? Well, because because isn't that the uh, shape of the, our foot? 
uh, so ish. The, 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 it's not quite duck feet, but yeah, I know what you're saying. A more anatomical shape, like a Birkenstock or something like that, right? Right. Um, so uh, bottom line is um, fashion. You know, and 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 particularly uh, particularly women's fashion. In in the past, you know this this notion of having um, smaller feet or more attractive shaping of the shoe is is a is a thing, you know, not I, my I, thing, not my thing, but a thing. I I do get it for like rock climbing. Like I I put on I've only worn rock climbing shoes once, and I get it. They're so fucking miserable and tight and narrow because you, you like you said for practicality, it has to be attached to your feet. Or I get yep. how maybe like a shoe like uh, that has a wide toe box might not be good for tennis because you don't want your foot sliding around. It actually has to be like. 100% part of your foot or you're going to injure yourself. But, but all these pointy shoes, um, there was a phase where the CrossFit community went through uh, Nike Met Metcons. I don't know mm -hmm. if they still do it, but I, so, so going back to what you were saying about people who like certain shoes and don't like certain shoes, I was so dogmatic and like, I, I, I had trouble believing anyone could like that shoe. Yeah. So, so, and, and, and again, uh, you know, shoes are super personal, right? Right. Uh, and, and so uh, it's, it's a, Sometimes logic and um, the, the, the most thorough science, biomechanics, you know, um, all of the anatomy that I could throw at, at people, you know, they'd be like, oh, I don't like it. It's like, all right. You know, and they like something that I just think. But logically, they're supposed to. You're like, dude, this is the perfect shoe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, or the perfect shape of a shoe. Right. Now, you may not like the color. You may not like whatever. Right? Yeah. Forget that but, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, you know, from a from a an anatomy, a foot morphology standpoint, the foot is supposed to act and behave in a particular way. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the hip bone connected to the knee bone, knee bone connected to the ankle bone, all legit stuff. And 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 so, you know, um, when you hurt your knee sliding around, it's probably because. Uh, your your body wanted to have your foot in a particular position and because it was sliding you know your tibia and fibula probably moved a little bit differently than what your knee wanted and and it and you either you know stretched the ligament or you um uh, you know kind of like uh, buffed up your 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 cartilage or you know or maybe you know you know your it band too tight whatever right so i mean there are things that there are just physiological aspects that are required if you're going to um protect somebody so yeah you know a little pointy shoe not my gig but you know god bless people who want to do it you'll see um you know every once in a while you'll see in some magazine or probably you could even google it where it'll be like the 20 ugliest feet in athletics and oh, you yeah. look and you'll look at someone's foot like lebron's foot and you're like wow did his shoes do that to him no, so 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 here, here's what's interesting, and I've I've had the privilege of of working with a lot of athletes. I've made like Shaq shoes back in the day. I made like um, like look at Andre, that thing. Is that yeah. shoes? Is that from like Japanese binding? Old? Is that because the shoes he wears were just crushing his feet for twenty years? So is that actually his feet? <laughs> Holy I God. mean, according to this source, yeah. So so that might be a little Photoshop because that's really weird. Anyways, but. Um, but regardless, the, 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 the points made in like athletes, and this is what's really interesting, Seven, is that um, making a particular uh, piece of footwear for an athlete, particularly an elite athlete, um, 
elite athletes are anomalies, right? Like right, right. some people, some people can get away with things that just defy logic and, and they can do things uh, with their body because, you know, they're wired right. They've been blessed from on high with all of the right genetics and all of the right chemistries and what, all that kind of stuff. And they're just, you know, and sometimes, you know, uh, particularly basketball players, basketball players tend to be kind of people who are essentially stretched. They're really tall. They're elongated and stuff. The only one of the only people that I that I've known that is like, hold on, Sha- Shaquille O'Neal. I made shoes for Shaq. And that dude is just like normal. St- I mean, normal proportion, just huge. huge. He's just a, he's just a big human being. Right. And so, you know, his his shoes uh, in length and width are kind of proportional to what you might wear. You know, whereas most basketball players have got longer, more, more narrow feet kind of mm. thing. I, you know, at a certain size, just the way it goes. But, but, but you do you see a lot of. I mean, you see people's baby toes. Whenever I see that, that are point that are coming in, right, or their big toes are coming in. You see people's feet that are now the shape as they get older, the shape of shoes. Did shoes do that to them? I, I, I would That's- suspect. I would suspect environmental conditions. Shoes um, probably had something to do with it, and 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 with the fact that you know. People don't generally take care of themselves and, and, you know, they want to look good. So, yeah, I mean, fashion knows no pain or something like that. I don't know, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, shoes, shoes are, um, are either prescriptive in, in how they help you perform, do whatever you're doing, uh, or, or they're, or they can be, um, or they be problematic, you know? Did you ever make a high heel? Did you ever make a woman's shoe? Did you ever make a, no, no, you no, never, no, no. And, and, and I don't, I mean, if I did, I, I'd, I'd make it different. That's for sure. Probably wouldn't be popular, but, mm. but, you know, if, if, I mean, it, it would work. So, you know, seven, I mean, getting, getting towards, uh, all right, so uh, we'll, we'll do this in a second. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You go ahead. So things like working at Go Ruck. Okay. When yeah, I met Jason me. and working at Go Ruck, um, and we wanted to do a, how did you meet him? How did you meet him? So I met Jason, uh, when he, Jason Reebok. McCarthy, that's his last name, right? Yeah, Jason McCarthy. Yeah. Yes, okay. he's a found, he's the founder of GoRuck. Uh, and so what happened was, um, they have this they have this uh, this portion of the company that does events, which is essentially uh, team building meets outdoor um, um, challenge courses, right? And so um, and it was run by Jason, and it started when he wanted when he had these really cool uh, rucksacks, uh, and people didn't really know what they were so he would invite people in early social media this is in 2010 uh he'd drive around the country with bags in his truck literally uh and he would um uh, go ahead and invite people on early social media platforms to meet him somewhere park or you know somewhere and uh he basically bring them through a team building exercise similar to uh, some of the stuff that he learned in special forces when he's a green beret you know, and, uh, and, and how to, um, how to get these, these people who don't know each other to work together. Like they were, you know, kind of soulmates. Right. And, uh, and, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't a competition. The intent was that you needed to do this all together in order to complete the effort. And then you needed to, you know, um, finish together. You know, it wasn't like he who finished first wins kind of thing. Right. Just the opposite. So, um, so, you know, that, that, that series of events that was catching on in 2010, 12, uh, 11 and 12. And 
Reebok at the time we were in CrossFit. Uh, we had um, Spartan race. We were looking at all, you know, we're looking at all the, you know, the tough motors, everything was out there like that. So one of our, um, the woman in charge of our, um, our walking division, uh, you know, outdoor and walking division, uh, caught on to go rock. And so they invited them up to explore the possibility of, of, you know, making, you know, creating some kind of partnership. And Jason came up here, met with everybody. And then eventually they begrudgingly said, well, if you're gonna, if we're going to do, you know, these kind of different kind of boots for you or shoes for you, um, we'll bring you over to the advanced, um, the advanced, uh, the advanced concept group area. Well, I had my own little building. Actually, it was right. It was attached to the uh, the CrossFit One box. Okay, I, I remember. I never went in that room, but I remember there was a door and there was a security lock on it, and it was it was like, hey, you can't go. No one can go in there. That's my, that was my that, that was my place. Yeah, yeah, and, I remember that yeah. room. And uh, and and so um, so basically, I met Jason, and honest to God, man, uh, like right from the beginning, we just hit it off, and and I really liked his approach to product. Uh, he and I talked. He talked about how he did his GR One. I, I showed him and talked about the pump stuff. He said, "Hey, I heard he you already had a shoe. He already had a shoe at that point." No, no, no. The GR one's about the the rucksack. Oh, the rucksack. okay, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. And and so basically, um, it fast became. You know, Jason and I would talk, and 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 he'd ask for things, and I'd bring it in through the system. And what occurred was that um, when you have a lot, when you have a big company, there's a lot of stakeholders at at the table, and everybody needs to have their inputs and stuff. And so, you know, Jason would want something like this, right? And then they'd, they'd be like, oh, you got to make it like this. I'm like, well, they're, they're not the same. I mean, they might look the same, but they're not the same. So it, there was a disconnect and it ended up not working out. So Jason and Go Ruck walked away. And then uh, this was in 14 and I did some events with them and participated. And I really, I really caught, I'm like, this he is He stayed in touch with you, Paul. He stayed in oh, touch yeah. with you. Yeah. Yeah. You and, guys, uh, was that odd that you had direct access with someone like that from the outside? Would there usually have been a liaison between you two? No, not, not no. with me. No, okay. I, I, I had a, I had a, I had a certain place, uh, you mm. know, at, at Reebok just because of my history there. And so, uh, no, I did that. And then ultimately, um, were you the longest employee when you left Reebok, were you the longest working employee there? No, but one of them, one of them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah one of them. And, um, uh, and so, um, basically what occurred was, um, I eventually decided through for a host of reasons that it was time for me to leave Reebok. So I started my own consulting business. Jason asked me to go be on the board with, uh, of go Ruck because we just, we just kind of hit it off. And so I, I got on the board, uh, and I told him, I said, listen, man, um, not for nothing, but I'll, I'll make the boot with you. So and they didn't, and they didn't have a shoe at the time. No, no. So I've heard that's a crazy expensive endeavor for, for even uh, a $50 million, $100 million company to be like, okay, because you got to scrape together a lot of ca cash that you can't promise we'll ever make it back. Is that true? I heard making your first shoe is nuts. It's nuts. And so what happened was we were a $10 million company at, at, at the time. Wow. Uh, and um, and what I did was um, I I had some favors that I'm, a lot of people made money on product we worked on, okay? So, and, and I made sure that I always was... Um, fair and equitable to my, uh, to my, um, manufacturing partners and whatnot. And so people, um, people so loved asked, you, you were fun to work with and people loved you. No, nah, I don't know about that, but, but okay. I made I'll the go money. With that. I, okay. I, I, oh, I, I okay. Made, I made the money. Yeah. Fuck is, love. You made the yeah, money. Right, 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 right. So, so, you know, we asked for some favors to be pulled in. So 
we made the first shoes. I was, I wasn't even an employee. I just, I did it for nothing, you know, and uh, I, and we made the first boot and I worked with uh, Jason and Richard Rice. Uh, and it was just like, dude, it was literally magic. It was just fucking magic. And, uh, and, and we made, we made the first boots um, and, uh, and they worked out great. And then eventually um, once they, once we started selling them and stuff, Jason said, Hey, will you come and work at go rock? And I, I said, first of all, yeah, there you go. So, uh, so those are the Mac V ones. Um, and, uh, and so they worked out, I mean, they, they worked great. They, they, they lived up to the special forces standard that both Richard and Jason, uh, required. Right. Uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, so we get the Mac V twos. I got a bunch, I got a bunch from here too, you know, like, yeah. So, so anyways, the, um, the, the point is seven is that, you know, when Jason asked me to join, I said, yeah, I said, but, you know, I'd been much like Jimmy talked about, you know, we spent, I spent most of my life on the road. Like a lot of it, we got my wife and I've got two kids, uh, and, uh, and they're old, you know, they're older now, 32 and 26, 27. Um, but, um, you know, I told her that I'll, I'll come back to Massachusetts and I'll stay here. This is when I had my own consulting business. Right. Uh, so I asked Jason, I said, dude, if you're willing to let me stay here, I'll work 24 seven for go rock. I just, you know, and I'll travel down back and forth. No problem. But I, I'm going to stay here. So where are there, where's their world headquarters? Uh, in Jacksonville beach, Florida. Okay. I heard you say in a podcast, um, that starting with some, a company as small as, uh, go rock coming from a, a multi-billion dollar company that was inside of other multi-billion dollar companies that your original run of shoes were basically smaller than just the shoes you used to run off for samples for oh yeah shoes. Oh, yeah that's absolutely. wild were you okay with that did you feel like that was a step backwards or or did you feel like that that was going back home to your roots what was that like working on such like a smaller back. scale it, it, it was more like going back home to my roots. And the reason for it was that, like, I, I certainly care deeply about, you know, us making money and, and selling more, more, more good stuff. OK. But I, I knew these boots were good. I knew and I knew they were different. And, and I also knew that, you know, out in the world, seven, it's and you know this from all of your work with the affiliates and, and all of the all the CrossFit stuff. When you show up on the scene and people and people don't have a context for your company or for your gear and stuff like that, you know, that they're, they're like, oh, what the hell are you doing here? Yeah. You know, like like so you have to earn you have to earn. You haze people, especially tough, good companies. We used to haze people at CrossFit. Yeah. I guess I'm, I'm assuming it's, that's the way it is at GoRuck, too. When you have oh, yeah. tough guys like Jason and Jimmy there, you get hazed a little bit. Yeah. And people and, and, poke and, you. They want to see what you're made of. They kick the doors and kick the tires and shit. Yeah. And, and if and if you can't do that, then, you know, then get a different job. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and so on top of that, the, con the consumer out in the world also has got all these choices from gold shoes to Kanye shoes to everything else. So go rock shows up and we're making, you know, backpacks and now we make footwear, we make boots, we make, you know, ballistic trainers for CrossFit. We make, um, you know, running shoes, training shoes and all kinds of, and, and it's just a little bit out of context because they're like, you know, what right do you have to do that now? You know, I actually, without sound and self-indulgent, I think Go Rock's a, a unicorn company. You got Jason McCarthy as a founder. You got Richard Rice as one of the OG, literally military, uh, legendary military personnel um, of, of the modern era, right? 
and he'll never tell you that. And he'll probably smack me in the head for saying it, but it's it's legit. You got Jimmy Letchford, an OG CrossFit guy. And, and he, Jimmy had, did have a front row seat to what I would call is the Steve Jobs moment in fitness. He, yeah, he had a front row seat, yep. complete access to Greg Glassman as Greg just revolutionized, uh, revolutionized the, the health and fitness space. It, really important yeah. to say the health space too. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And, and for me, you know, um, I, I'll, I'll throw my hat in as a, a secondary support, but you know, I got a pretty good street cred in the, in the product market. And you were there, you were basically, you're one of the, you were around to a front row seat as actually shoes went through a complete revolution too. Yeah. Before. Yeah. I mean, you- I, I, start, I started at Reebok when we were, you know, 55, $60 million. And, you know, within five years we were 1.4 billion. I mean, Wait, you know. Was Reebok ever the biggest tennis shoe company in the world? Yes, we were. How did you guys, how did Reebok lose that position? Was so, there, was there a catastrophic event or you guys made a bad shoe or what, what happened? No, there? no, no. So, so, so basically, and this is actually a really cool story because, um, in the, um, early nineties or early 91, something like that. Um, Phil Knight was getting his lunch handed to him by, by Reebok. And he famously called a big meeting in, I think in Sun River, Oregon, where he had everybody there, not just marketing and sales, but like, warehouse customer service you know people from the far east from you know korea taiwan and stuff and he basically invited everybody he said look at we're going back to there is no finish line meaning running shoes uh he goes i don't want to hear about women's shoes i don't want to hear about aerobics i don't want to hear about any other brand you know you're either with nike or you're not and there's the door make your decision something like that and 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 i gotta tell you what to this day i don't think you're gonna find any nike executive that says that names another brand by name other than saying our competitors. Right. Oh, I mean, interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And, 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 and I, and I, I applaud them for it. They were, they've been a great competitor in the space. Right. But he, he got. Uh, so he gave the company an attitude adjustment and that's what happened. You think? Well, that was, ha- and at the same time, Reebok was beginning to enjoy the fruits of the labor. Mm, mm. And, and, and to me, much like, like a, co- a co- all of a sudden got a coffee machine and no one has to pay for their coffee anymore. Yeah, it, it, the much like the much like the film festival. It's like yeah. uh, to me it's a little disappointing. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. okay, I got it. And you know, between You, you didn't want to celebrate, you wanted to make the next pump. Uh, the yeah. next next cool Fuck shoe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. You know, and 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 you know, and the problem is is that when you when how for me was Reebok investing wisely back into the company? Oh yeah, sure they were. I yeah, mean, they were making yeah. money, dude. They were making money hand over fit. Like they were right. making so much money. Right. You know, and 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 from my from my perspective, and I I got a peculiar perspective, but you know, I'm like, hey, you should throw more money this way. Not to me, but but to the to the R and D versus the beautiful people out front. Right. Right. And but you know, I mean, again, business is business, so. You know the one thing like you're again, signing Rick Ross to make to just say uh, Reebok in his commercial and paying him ten million dollars. We could have made three different shoes with that. Yeah. 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 You know now, but but then again, that's also it's also not a a holistic way to look at it. But you know, it's like I got to advocate for my position, right? I mean that Fair. that's just the way it is. Fair. So yeah. So you know, and and again, seven. I I know I've wasted a lot of time. We haven't talked anything about Go Ruck, but 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 I got to tell you what, man. The truth is, is that the GoRuck footwear platform that we're doing uh, is, it's like coming home for me. All right. 
uh, you know, I am, uh, you know, I'm obligated um, by my work with Jason and Rich and the team, Jimmy and everybody, you know, to make product that lives up to the performance standards that are set. And, you know, we've made like our ballistic trainer. We, we, we built it a particular way that was, uh, that was focused on functionality, uh, biomechanics, right? Load bearing, explosive power output, you know, uh, and, and all that. And, and so, you know, we, we've done things not, here's an example. We, um, uh, you got 10 seconds for this, dude, I got plenty of time. I got a right. fucking million things that, it, it, until my bladder says I have to pee. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, man. So, so basically we, we do this contoured sock line this, this insert, right. Uh, -huh. uh in, in our ballistic trainers. Uh, and it's got a, uh, it's got the typical medial arch. It's actually got a, a lateral arch and it's also got a little bit of a met head relief for the, for the transverse arch. So this carries your foot. Now, one of the things we realized early on was that uh, in uh, for this platform here, which is the ballistic trainer, uh, this is um, it's got a, an eight millimeter offset so that it will it will be supportive through uh, explosive moves uh, when you're doing power cleans, when you're doing back squats and stuff like that, so that you don't have to uh, dorsiflex and essentially have secondary muscles bleed out your power output. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Is that what, the shoe they're going to wear at the CrossFit Games? The athletes will be wearing those? You know yes, that? Yes, it is. Oh, yes, that's is. nice. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful shoe. God. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll link up after this with you and me and you. We'll, we'll make sure you guys are, are outfitted to give it a try. And uh, and when I say that, dude, uh, it's one of those things where give them a try. If they work for you, awesome. If they don't, send them back or, you know, give them away. Well, I mean, you know, I, I respect the fact that people have got different opinions, but with that being said, so talking to Jason, and this is how thorough this company is, and this is what I really love about it. So we did this, we did this sock liner, which anatomically follows something that we had done for the NFL linemen back in the day when Reebok had the uh, contract. It works really well. But understanding that CrossFit folks um, are used to more flat, so what we did was inside of our footwear, every pair of shoes, we have a secondary set of sock liners. And the secondary set of sock liners is, I will say, better than anything that is done uh, in the um, in the typical sneaker space. And what it is is it is a it's a flat five millimeter insert. Okay, uh, and the material happens to be a very very high grade foam system. It's an EVA foam system, so you know you can do your contoured anatomical. But if people don't like it, in the same box of shoes is this here. And the reason why we did it, seven, was because you know we want to make sure that we're true to um, to our objective, and we want to make sure that people have a positive experience in our footwear. We want to make sure that these things work really well, and and again because. You know, I can tell you all the science behind this insert. But if you don't happen to like it and you want something flat, you know, who am I to say? Right. So we, 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 we put that flat sock liner in for those who may want to change out. And, you know, it's not you know, it's not like we're doing some life saving technique, but it is a significant cost and it's a significant um, kind of uh, commitment. Yeah. Hey, a second ago you said um, um, we hadn't talked about GoRuck at all. Kind of the whole time we were talking about GoRuck, because it, it, the way I was couching everything you're saying is I just kept thinking, man, uh, 
Goruck and McCarthy got a guy who's take who has this massive journey and has seen a beginning to an end yeah. and knows what it looks like. And you have a, a wealth of knowledge in all sort in, in product development. Did you do anything else besides shoes when you were at Reebok? Oh yeah. So yeah, I did. So we did the, um, by the way that I didn't mean that like, isn't just shoes. Yeah, Obviously yeah. everyone in the so, world wears shoes. What a great product to be in. It's better than cigarettes. Yeah, exactly. So without a doubt. So a couple things, first of all, I didn't, I didn't mean disrespectfully that, that we weren't talking about, cause I, I do understand yeah. how, how you do your, they, your podcast. They so, scored having you dude. They scored. What a score. Well, so, 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 so here's the other thing. And this is actually really, truly important. The guy with the experience actually got lucky to be part of go rock. Okay. Oh, oh, right. Something where you can express yourself to a full potential because it's a young machine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and because there's a commitment to doing the right thing and it's, Mm. and and it's awesome. So, um, I also worked on a bunch of hard goods. We did apparel, uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, and we've done, I've done hockey gear. I've done all kinds of stuff. I I created a, a product, um, that hold on one second. Oh yeah. O'Toole was crazy into hockey, right? He had his own hockey side business. CCM. That was the name of the company? Yep. So CCM is a hockey company and O'Toole came O'Toole came to Reebok because he was um he was the president or CEO of CCM um and and CCM was originally a Canadian company and Matt was part of an investment uh, venture capital group that bought them out and that's how Matt came to how that's how Matt is, came to Reebok. Is he still at Reebok? I don't think so. I mean, okay. I, I don't know. I, I'm not. Okay. I'm not that close. I think he's out now, but I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, so basically, yes. If I worked on anything else, I've done a bunch of other things. One of the things I worked on was this thing called the uh, Reebok Checklight. Okay. All right. All right. And so what it was is, um, it's based. It's it, it's essentially it was the very first uh, head impact indicator. All right. So what we did was, um, we uh, this thing's got uh, an accelerometer and a gyroscope in it. Uh, and it, it's got these three lights down here, red, yellow, green, uh, and you put it on a skull cap and you wear it on your um, back of your head and it goes right behind your left ear. Uh, and it will give you an indication of the force of impact to your head. Um, and, and I, I, and I said it, so we did this back in 2000. So when I was, that was for Re- hockey. Well, so what happened was we had the NHL, uh, we did the NHL uniforms Reebok did. We also had the NFL uniforms and we're doing some MLB stuff. And so everybody um, in um, in the company, they were like, hey, you know, we got to make a better helmet, a better helmet, better helmet. And again, ultimately, it's like, what do you mean? You know, more cushioning, more and like, what's the, what are the metrics? So we got some instrumented uh, heads, like crash test dummy heads. And we basically would fire baseballs and pucks and everything uh, um, <laughs> uh, leather mitts at people and, and just you know and 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 we would test the 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 force of impact um but the issue was uh, you know I, depending upon the impact some people can take a, a, a direct shot and other people get hurt and things like that and so what was frustrating to me was that there was no uh, absolute indicator of, hey, if you get hit this much, you are going to get hurt or you're going to be safe below this amount, right? So rotational impacts, all this kind of stuff. So we do, we developed over the course of three or four years uh, this this head impact indicator. And um, and I, I tell you this because you asked me if, if we've worked on anything else. This was actually, we launched it in 2014 uh, and it became, it won 
the Consumer Electronics Show Product of the Year wow. in Health and Fitness. Wow. Now, which was great because at the time you had your Fitbits, you had your, you know, your, you had all different kinds of health devices and measurement devices. And this little group of shoe guys, um, we won the Consumer Electronics Show, you know, Innovation Product of the Year uh, in that. Now, as it turns out, we're probably a good eight or 10 or 12 years ahead of time because even when we were working with the NHL, the NFL and other people, they, um, they wring their hands about concussions and head injuries and stuff, but nobody really wants to do anything about it because, you know, somebody may not get ice time or somebody may not, may have to get off the field or blah, blah, blah. Now, anyways. So yeah. And so in 14, yes, if, if I've worked on anything else, I've done that, I've done a bunch of medical device stuff with, um, uh, with different um, special military groups and all that. And, you know, so yeah, that's, I mean, I've had, I've, I've been lucky to make connections and, and, and work on cool projects. Every Tom, Dick and Harry wears shoes. Um, and um, every Tom, Dick and Harry wore basketball shoes and every Tom, Dick and Harry wears sh shoes. Yeah. It, it is undoubtedly unarguable that the fittest people in the world, whether you're seven years old or 90 years old, if they do CrossFit, it's the fittest 90 year old, you know, it's the fittest yep. 80 year old, you know, it yep. just is that way. We're, we're not, we, we know it. Everyone knows it. Our, our shittiest athlete can, st is still one, 1% of 1%. Yep. And, and now when, when Gora tells you that, um, Hey, we're going to group with this because everyone wore the pumps, right? Like, yep. like fat guys wore the pumps, skinny yep. guys, like everyone. When, when GoRuck tells you, Hey, we're going to make, we're going to start working with this company and it's going to be the fittest cohort of human beings who've ever walked the planet earth. Are you excited? Are you scared? Are you, what, what goes through your brain when you, when you hear that? <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm not scared of much. All right. First right. Yeah. All, you don't seem yeah, like you are. Yeah. So, so but are you stimulated, titillated? Like what goes through your brain? Well, so the first time uh, when I first uh, in 2005 and six, when uh, Matt and the team began, hey, we're doing CrossFit. I basically set up my own little CrossFit um, workstation, workout station in my research area. Could you this hold on one second? Could you hold? Sorry. One second. Uh, David Weed. Yeah. Keep telling yourself that. Hey, fuck off, David. You know, it's true. <laughs> I know it's true. We all know it's true. Tell me it's a, a fitter cohort, a tougher cohort. Shut your pie hole. <laughs> okay, sorry. Back to back to the show at hand. Oh, Thank you. Nice. Okay, I, so, I actually forgot. I forgot this is live. Um, yeah. So uh, so anyways, that's all right. Um, yeah. So so I I we so I was familiar with the CrossFit, uh, you know, when it was just emerging out, uh, you know, um, and and the whole functional fitness thing. So you know the the stand. I, I mean, I met Jimmy in the early days, and and it's you know, and so it's just it's just it's one of those things where. No, it, to me, all of this stuff is very clean seven because it's like the fact that you, the fact I made product for Jason McCarthy and Richard Rice uh, that needed to meet a standard in the SF community, the special forces community. I, I've made a uh, product that needs to um, live up to a certain threshold of uh, legitimacy. And your and, shoe and, can't fail while people are shooting at you. No, exactly. And, and, and nothing, you know, and, and even if someone's wearing it to go to the store, like uh, being from Boston neighborhoods in the early days, you know, 
50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever, 200 bucks, whatever, whatever shoes cost these days, it's a lot of money. Like, like, like if, if I'm paying something, I want it to hold up to the value. So the fact that, you know, um, making product for the CrossFit community and understanding that there's a broad spectrum of opinions out there and stuff, you know, we are bound to determine to make the best, most functional product uh, with certain features and benefits that are meant to uh, be um, obvious in how well they work and behave when the person's using it. So, no, you know, I mean. Like there's nowhere to hide in our shoes. You're never, you've never seen anyone do CrossFit and Air Jordans. No, exactly. Like there's nowhere to hide. Everyone's, everyone's like, everyone starts honing in on what the best shoe is because of how it functions at the end of the day. No, except for that one shitty shoe company that was with CrossFit for a couple of years. Those things didn't even, I don't even know what those were. Cardboard boxes besides them. Yeah. So I I said it, not you. I said it, not you. Well, that's okay. I, I, I work with all those guys. Okay. They were, they, they were, they were Reebok guys. Yeah. Tell them that they need to do better. Well, whatever. That's, that's, that's their conversation. But for me, for, but for me, I, I, and and I think what makes it really cool seven is that whether it be CrossFit community or the SF community or, or any, you know, any group, it's like, we have the opportunity and the obligation to make the best possible product that, that, that's, that, that is conceivable, you know, and that's, uh, and that is, and, and, and by the way, that doesn't mean that you ever make a perfect product. Cause as soon as you make the product, you think like, Oh, we could do this. We could do that. We could do this. And so, you know, there are, there are always ways to evolve and improve. And then quite frankly, once, once, you know, I mean, there are times I don't even agree with myself, right? But once you get another person in a room, there's different opinions. Mm. And when you're talking about things that are subjective, like, do you like this? Mm. You know, some people get very factual and objective. Some people get very emotional and subjective. It's like, Mm. oh, you know, I'd like it, but I don't like that color. It's like, Mm. okay, now you might, you might say like, that doesn't matter to you, but there'll be other people, as you probably know, who like, oh, I'd never wear a blue shoe or whatever. You know, it's like, oh, okay. You know, so, so it's a, it is so for me, and this is what's really cool about Go Ruck is that um, I have the opportunity to be true to the objective. And there's nothing better in making product than knowing that you have an objective and you and you don't have to waver from that objective. And, you know, and, and what and 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 that because of the cohort that you're designing shoes for now, which is uh, first responders and people who need really high functioning shoes. Yep. You, you like you love that. It keeps. I, I love it, and focus, also focus, and also focus, and also quite frankly, CrossFitters, um, people who are out rucking on trails or hiking, and like like you know people. Everybody always looks at. Everybody always looks at the uh, the alpha male, the alpha female, the, you know, and mm-hmm. I I respect the hell out of them. And mm-hmm. I will make product to that standard. But I also want to make sure that the everyday Joe and the everyday Jane, the ordinary schmuck who is getting up and doing their job as well as they can so they get home to their family, that the product they get from us at GORUCK meets that level of value and standard. It's just I, real, it's I, super important. I, I heard someone say uh, something when uh, they announced GORUCK was the uh, shoe sponsor. Someone said, oh, great, all the shoes are going to be tan and black, and I wanted to punch them in the face. I'm like, who gives yeah. a fuck what the color yeah. of the shoe yeah. is? Because yeah. I fall in that camp. I need, yeah. I just, I need great shoes. Yeah, yeah. 
can I ask you a question? Uh, this yes, is, sure. One of your competitors, I'll use that mm -hmm. term, that um, uh, made uh, well, you used to work there. They made the Nano Two. What for me is the best shoe that that I've worn. Uh, and now there's a bunch of ones that still have that have that shoe box, like the Savage One and Victos. But the Nano Two was an utter disaster in one aspect: the tongue does not stay in the center of the shoe. It is bizarre to me. Do you know as a shoe um, um, uh, artisan? uh engineer as a shoe engineer do you know right away when you saw that oh they forgot to do that like did they forget to do something yes yeah, how so, is it so, so, i mean so, it's, a, it's, a, it's not like it happens sometimes it's like you put the shoe on you take a shit you come back and your tongue's off to the side like, <laughs> dude i took one deuce yeah so i, I haven't so, even left so, the house yet so i i still i still play hockey with dan and some of the boys that actually designed and, and worked yeah. on that shoe and all that so yeah. you know um it's 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 really funny because the um it gives you something to do every five minutes, but it's, yeah. it's, it's weird. Well, and, it's weird. And, and again, there are ways to resolve that. And, and again, that's where, you know. Do you know what it is, though, without telling me? Like, in your head, you're like, oh, guys, you forgot to. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why? And, and, and you knew exactly what I was talking about when I said it, right? Like, everyone. Oh, shit, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like, that's probably like all the engineers are like, oh, my God, they forgot to blah, blah, blah. So see yeah. that right there? Yeah. See that right oh, there? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. See that right there? That's, <laughs> yeah. sorry. That's it right there. Yeah. Damn. Yep. What? Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Paul, yeah. Um, can you tell me the story of the guy who tried to uh, get you uh, when you were in getting your PhD? What was that story you were saying? There was like extortion or he wanted you no, to? No, 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 no. You can't yeah, tell yeah. me that story about how he tried to get you to be part of some sort of like no, money so, laundering. So, so, were so, you guys counterfeiting so, hundreds or something? Seems like something no, they do in Massachusetts. No, it, it, that, was, that was a little bit too bold. Basically what happened was I had finished my master's. I went out to Scotland for a period of time and worked doing research uh, in preparation for PhD work. I was doing a lot of um, kind of intense uh, muscle biochemistry work uh, and some real cutting uh, cutting edge stuff at the time uh, in strength research. I uh, did some like with steroids uh, and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and also uh, also how to change blood chemistry so that you could be uh, more um, so you can uh, absorb and and uh, redistribute um, hydrogen ion accumulation, lactic acid. Uh, also, we were doing things uh, with um, what's the best kind of um, metabolic drink to drink mm. um, so that you could manage um, emptying from your small intestine all the nutrients into your, uh, your bloodstream without creating um, gly glycolytic changes and like, oh, it's just all kinds of stuff. Right. And I came well, high back end and nutritional. I'll use that term loosely, nutritional studies on elite performance, how to get the yeah. best out of the human body. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that was, and that was my, that was my, that was my gig back then. Right. And so um, I'd be experimenting on myself and shit. You ever shoot? Oh, yourself? I, oh I did. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you some stories later on that. Turn were, yourself that were, into the Hulk. No, no, I'm, I'm more of a midget than that, but that's, oh. that's okay. Yeah, no. So, uh, uh, yeah, funny stories. Um, uh, but the, when I came back, I fully intended to continue on, and I got um, uh, my department chairman wanted me to work in his uh, fitness center, which was a fee for service with students and stuff, a cash business. And it just it didn't smell right to me. And I said, no. And he said, well, I'm going to pull your funding. I said, well, OK, I'm a firefighter in town. I'll, I'll just work, live at the firehouse and 
you know, work from there. And he said, nope. And so, you know, I, I got to this break point and push came to shove. And, and you know, I, I had a choice to either acquiesce and do things that I didn't think were proper uh, or walk away. Did you? Uh, who taught you values like that? Uh, my mother and father. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just, you know, it's, it's, dude. There's just some basic truths. Like, like it, everybody lives in their own skin. I gotta, I gotta live with myself. And so, you know, there are things that I, I do that people would be like, oh, I can't believe you did it. And then, but it's good for me. And then there are other things that people do that I think, oh, I can't believe you did that, and they can live with it. So it's, I just didn't. I, that was a line, and. Mm. And I had an objective at in the academic world to be, you know, some, I don't know, researcher, professor, you know, physician, whatever. And and, and so, that changed your whole course of your life, though. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. 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 Dude, I mean, for, for me, like everyone says, oh, do you regret? No. I mean, you kidding me? I'm talking to you right now. Yeah. Cool. You think you'd be talking to me if I was a. No. You know, no. No. So so so. All of these things, again, seven, for me, it's it's the journey part, right? And it's like, look at this, you know, nothing is predictable. And everything you plan will ultimately have an alternative plan for you, right? Hey, you know what's weird? This is going to, this is way off subject. I was thinking about this the other day. So you get these young, you get young, this is nothing to do with shoes. This is psychology yeah. now. You get these young athletes, Paul, right? Yep. And they go, they, they, they go into sports and they get good and everyone starts liking them because they're good at something. Michael Jordan. And then, then they start having these. And now we see it in social media because they talk about it openly and it's weird. And they start getting like feeling bad for themselves because they're like, people only like me because I'm good at sports. And it's like, Hey dude, that's okay. Yeah. Paul's only on this show because he was uh, he's been doing um, uh, a shoe engineer for 35 years and has yeah. endless experience. It's OK. At the end of the day, you have to like yourself for other stuff. Yeah. But don't blame us. It, it's OK that sports, I, I believe, and I'm curious what your opinion is. It's OK that sports are what have you done for me lately? Yeah. So it, so everything it, it, is. But that's yeah. Seven, yeah. That's if life. Kanye and, wasn't a great rapper. We wouldn't give a shit about what he's doing with his uh, uh, girlfriend with the giant tits walking around in airports. We wouldn't care. <laughs> no, exactly. And 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 brother, like not for nothing, but I've done a little homework on you. You've had a really, really eclectic and very interesting career in life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And, and it's it's actually it's actually friggin all. It's awesome. Right. And 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 you brought in, you brought all of those experiences the good, the bad, and the indifferent to bear all the way up to this conversation. Right. 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 I, I'm the same way. And anybody's the same way. And, and so for me, you know, social media, I tried to hunt and peck on it being an old dude. I, I tried to, you know, like um, post things about go rock, and, but I, I, I'm not a big social media person clearly. Right. And I'm in my sixties. Right. And so it's one of those deals where I, um, I'm not defined by a snapshot or I choose not to be defined by a snapshot, right? It's like a moment in time. But but you have a great story around the pump, for example, one of your oh, yeah. stories. That's yep. a really fun story. Yep. And it's okay if people are just like, hey, using you to tell that story. Like, oh, great. Yeah, I'm no. glad I'm I, I'm on planet Earth to tell you the story about the pump. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah no, so 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 brother, right? and, and and I I you have no idea the amount of the respect I have for you to be interested in it and the privilege it is for me to do it. But one of the things that I, that I, I kind of bristle at personally tell me is, is, is the fact that it's not about me. Uh, uh. Like, like, like the projects that we're 
like the ballistic trainers. This is not about me. Like, did I make it? Yeah, I made it. That's my job. Mm, but, mm, but, you know, or the, or the, you know, the rough runners or any, any of the stuff we've done, right. It's, it's not about me. It's about, um, you know, I happen to be on uh, the point of contact for it. You know, I might've created whatever, it doesn't matter, but it's not really about me at all. And I, and I really believe that to my core. So, you know, when people say like, Oh, you did the pump. It's like, yes, but asterisk, you know, here's how it really manifested itself. Well, and, like Glassman came up with the methodology. If there weren't people who practice it, no one would ever know. So exactly, and, and, there weren't and the practitioners. Me, yeah, and, and Glassman is a perfect example of of a guy who just lives passionately in his own sphere, right? Right, right, right. And 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 there's a there's enough energy there and enough kind of like um, uh, mojo that it it attracts people, and that's cool. You know, and, and so, you know, hopefully on, on the product side, I, I have enough, enough whatever to, to make sure Jason and Rich and the team still want me around. Do you have, do you, do you have um, any young aspiring shoe designers, engineers, creators in, in your mitts that are in your, uh, that in your satellites? Oh, yeah. So there are people getting uh, able to be around you and use you and, and, and absorb your knowledge, steal your knowledge from you. You're giving it away to people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You got to. You got to pay it forward. And, and yeah, and that's most, awesome. I love yeah, hearing that. And, and, and seven, to be honest with you, um, you know, I do it unconditionally at GoRuck yeah. and I do it elsewhere because I've had the privilege of working with a number like a lot of people in my in my career, right? Were you ever guarded with your um, uh, knowledge? And then you had to go through some transformation one day where you're just like, fuck it, I'm giving it all away for free. I don't care. I'm so so I, I, don't, I don't think it was that abrupt, but I think in the early days when I was trying to claw for existence, mm -hmm. you know, you like, I, I, I was never, um, I was never unclear about my capability to fix anything and make things work. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't. Now, I, you know, people used to think, well, you're kind of a dick. Well, okay. But that was, you know, that was kind of my job or whatever. And, uh, and, and yet, you know, I, it became clear to me early on that, you know, being able to, uh, being willing to teach and, and being able to convey bits of information, dude, I get as much back from people as I give. It's unbelievable. Like, like people with different experiences, younger people, certainly, but even people with just different experiences. I, I, I go out, like, I'm, I'm heading back out to um, Vietnam to work at our shoe factory and some of our material suppliers um, at, in the beginning of next month. It's literally like me going to school. And, and, and some of these, some of these people are, you know, in their twenties or thirties, but they make shoes every day. They do this, they do that. You know, like, I learn from them all the time, you know, how they're making molds, how they're making, what materials they're using, how they're assembling stuff. It is literally like, it's, it's a, it's an opportunity for me to continue to be a student. I, I, I really like that in the, in the media space. It's like that too. There's these couple, there's a couple guys around me who just know so much. And I, uh, and for some reason it, I don't know, it requires no humility on my part to just, yes bow my head to them and just learn to them. I just love uh, learning from them. I want to go back to something you said. It sounded like what you were about to say. You supremely, you said you had, you believed in yourself to fix anything. So you have, you had, you have, you believe in yourself 
does your wife did you know that your did your wife believe in you did that play an integral role in, in she's still with me after 30 she's still with me after 30 yeah like i i never forget the day when i when i left um when i left grad school because you know i just come back from scotland uh and um you know spending just under a year out there and we were and you know we had a plan and i came back in i don't know right after thanksgiving the plan um, went to shit yeah the plan went sideways and so Mary's like, look at, you know, we'll get it done. And, and Mary, Mary, I mean, like I said, much like many people, you know, I'm, I've been fortunate to have a partner in crime who has done all of the hard work and the heavy lifting behind the scenes, you know? Isn't it amazing how important that is? Yeah. Um, I, I have supreme confidence in myself, too. But when I don't have supreme confidence in myself, um, or, or actually, it's, it's when I when I don't have supreme confidence in myself, um, my mom and my sister and my wife have always been there for me. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's um they don't even flinch. It's like what yeah. you said when you came home and Mary said to you, "We get through this." Yeah. Like that one little thing, everything was better, right? It's kind of oh, a yeah. trip. All of a sudden, oh, yeah. you're like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. Yeah, we'll get it done. What are we having for yeah. dinner? Yeah. 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 No, absolutely, and. And, and that's, and that's how she's been with that. And, you know, and again, I just, I, I just been lucky to be, you know, and again, the one thing like at go rock, the one thing that has worked out really well for me is that, um, do you have sisters by the way? Yeah. I got my, my, my sister Gail is a couple years older than me. So mm, she's, okay. you know, my, my family, you know, being, being from the Boston area, my family is pretty tight and very supportive. So, yeah, you know, that's we, we, huge. yeah, we, we've got each other's backs and that's a, that's a big deal. Right. So, okay, sorry. You were going to say something at GoRuck. Yeah. You remember? No. So, so, so one of the things that that's interesting is that um, all of these guys, like Jimmy and Don, and like on uh, Dave Castro, uh, some people have done some pretty hard things out in the world. Right. I'm working on sporting good stuff. I mean, come on, right? right. It's like uh, this is. I can get pretty emotional about stuff. I can get pretty wrapped around the axle about stuff. But when it comes down to it. You know, no one's, you know, I'm not, I don't have to duck my head <laughs> unless you're throwing leather at me. Then I got to, because this nose can't take much more, but you know, um, speaking of hard things and, 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 and putting things in context, when you had kids, did your perspectives on shoes change? Um, how did that affect your, your shoe, your shoe thinking? Did it? No, I, I think, um, no. So one of the things that we did at Reebok in the early days, and we started this, um, with the Reebok human rights tour and stuff like that was that we focused before it became really popular on working conditions and on environmental conditions at the factories that we worked at. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and to me, um, that kind of stuff is important, you know, because I, I want to make sure that I, I leave things in a better place than when I found them. Yeah. And, and, and having kids probably because all of a sudden you cared about the future because you had kids. Oh shit! Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I didn't care if the world burned to the ground before I had kids. Yeah, I gave exactly. two shits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, you got, now yeah, you got you, you got younger kids now, right? Yeah, two seven-year-olds and a nine-year-old. Oh, you got twins? Yeah, yeah. Oh, very cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. No, boys or girls? All boys. Wow, very cool. Well yeah. done. Well yeah. done. Nice. Yeah. So, so you're in the thick of it, and and it's it's the coolest thing going, and and there are times when I'm sure you look at your wife, and you're like, oh Jesus, another day. Yeah. You know, yeah. but no, it's, yeah, no. And that's, and that's what makes it, that's, that's what gives it kind of 
purpose and 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 people will find their purpose in in various forms sometimes it's a pet sometimes it's whatever you know what i mean so yeah. Um, I, uh, I think this is, I, I, I don't know how many shows I've done, but I do uh, a show every morning at 7 a.m. Yep. And I've never, ever overslept. And this yep. morning I opened my eyes and I saw the light was out and I never wake up when the light's out. Yeah. When the sun's out already. Yep. And I look at my clock and it's 657 and I run over to my phone and I send you that text and I really yep. apologize. Uh, all right. So, so, so first of all, for being 15 minutes late, because, uh, 2000 shows, I guess I'm approaching and I just can't believe I was like, holy shit. But my wife jumped out of bed too and made me a cup of coffee so I could run to the computer. So, no, so seven, thank you. What what, my only concern was that I was like, cause Jimmy, you know, Jimmy threw the gauntlet in our text message and I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I'm like, I'm and and about 10 minutes up, I'm like, shit, I don't have the podcast link yet. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really apologize. Anyway, no, so thank you, but no need at all. No need okay. at all. Uh, well, thank you so much, dude. Uh, great. I, I look forward to actually uh, meeting you in person. I hope our paths cross. I assume you'll yeah. be um, at some of these CrossFit events or at the CrossFit yep. Games. So I'm sure we'll get to meet there and, uh, yep. and, and hug it out. Yeah, most definitely. Seven, I, I, and, uh, and Caleb, thank you very much for the invite. Thanks for the time today. Uh, I hope it was uh, useful. And, uh, very. And, yeah, and 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 guys, thanks for doing this stuff. And I I, I like this po- the podcast is important. So thank you for doing this. Cheers, brother. Uh, here thanks. I'll let you see. Here you can see Caleb. There he is. There the, the young. There you version. go, kid. That, hey, that, hey. That's that's you thirty years ago. <laughs> Dude, no, hey, hey, it's me today. Come on. <laughs> hey, nice. <laughs> Looking good. <laughs> hey, listen. Listen, grass does not grow on a busy street, Caleb. Remember that, okay? There you go. No, nice. No. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, nice. Hey, well, thank you, guys. I really appreciate the time, and thanks for supporting Go Rock. And this partnership, like uh, you guys talked about uh, last time, it's just it's it's literally like peanut butter and jelly, man. This pretty is pretty perfect. It's pretty yeah, perfect. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So thank you. All right. Cheers, buddy. Say hi to uh, Jason and Jimmy for me. We'll do it. You guys take care. Thank you. Great to Ciao. meet you, Paul. Bye. Legend. God, how am I late on the day that we have a legend like that come to the show? What a douche nozzle. The Reebok pump, man. That's crazy. crazy. Six wild. dudes sitting around a table fussing with tennis shoes. God, that must have been fun. They must have had so much fun. They probably got so fucking high on caffeine and just sat around and like. And when that dude brought the sh- the pump on the on the tongue and it was a sh- basketball, he must have been pumped. So we're like, dude, check this out. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. This is way better. Here's the thing. I want I want to talk about this later. Uh, do a whole show. I have to pee so bad. But um, uh, I was thinking about just the whole Mal O'Brien thing and just about her her uh kind of like her goodbye or whatever the fuck you want to call that. I just wish I just wish. That someone would be like someone close to her in her circle would be like, hey, why don't you just tell the truth? Holy fuck, guys. I'm not going to fucking be doing CrossFit anymore, but I got $2 million in sponsors. I'm fucking tripping. So what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Look how hot my boyfriend is. I'm in Hawaii. But fucking life is good. But dude, this shit was hard, dude. This shit was stressful as fuck. So I got to figure out how I'm going to come. How am I going to do all this? And I'm just working through my shit, guys. And look, I'm going to try to make some content and stay relevant because it's fucking cool being relevant. And I got some money I owe to, like, I, I got some sponsor obligations. I don't want to lose my sponsors. I want to add value to them because then I can get money and just chill in Hawaii and work out with this hot fucking dude I got. 
but fuck, I don't know what exactly what I'm doing, but I feel better. And the pressure was fucking nuts, dude. Nuts. I'm just telling you it was nuts. Call me a pussy, but I'm not. And I just, can there just not be one fucking real person? And I get it. I get, I don't need her to be real because she's so young and like sure as fuck I wasn't. I, but why doesn't someone around her just be like, hey, why don't you just be authentic? Like anyone who can scratch the surface just a little bit. Like, hey, dude, it's perfectly okay that we only liked you because you did thrusters faster than everyone else. It's perfectly okay. Now, you need to find reasons you like yourself more than that. But listen, if Caleb's not bringing up pictures on the back end, no one gives a fuck about Caleb. That's not true. We really like the fact that he served our country, blah, 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 blah. Nobody we like it that, that he's very carefree in the outfits he chooses. Shame one every day. <laughs> we got a free master's class. Yeah, Paul's good, huh? Yeah, yeah just cool. just just say just say whatever. Like, I don't know. Hey, uh just be fucking real. This uh oh god, it's just it, and like I said, why isn't someone in Mal O'Brien's circle of support just telling her to be real? It will go so much further. It will take all the pressure off you, too. Don't forget to drink rain. I, I, yeah. And thank you, and please drink rain. Yeah, exactly. It could be so funny like that. It could be so... Uh, there's there's a whole handful of these motherfuckers I want to take to school. And you know who doesn't? Who You know who does? Look at the people who don't... Look at the people who, who manage it. Look at Gazan or Ariel Lowen. Alexis Raptus. She got something wrong with her dumper and she's open about it. Sometimes she, she poops for like a week straight. Yeah. And she tells like, people about it. Like, dude, set yourself free. Do you know why of all the media in the CrossFit space, I made the most fucking money by far, hands down, no second place of outside media to CrossFit Games because I just am just telling it like it is. Like I, well, I don't even know if I'm telling the truth. I'm just telling the best I can. And when I'm having trouble, I'll get advice from 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 my crew. They'll be like, hey, maybe you should say it like this. Is that really what it is? And they'll start asking me questions so I can be deeper and more truthful. I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not like. Some what are the fuck are their managers doing? Who the fuck are these people's managers? Are they are they afraid of their athletes? It's perfectly okay that people just like you because you're good in CrossFit. It's so cool. It's fine. It's more than it's more of a reason than people like me and Caleb. It's awesome. Caleb and I would be more than happy if someone liked us. Um, just if, if we could make uh fifty thousand or a hundred thousand or three hundred thousand or five hundred thousand dollars a year doing thrusters with our shirt off. Yeah, I wish, man. I wouldn't be living in this shithole. I don't even want to look at myself doing thrusters with my shirt off. Crying out loud. Anyway, so any, anyone, uh, free free counseling for any young athletes, uh, call Ariel Lowen or Gazan, and they'll just tell you how to be real. I mean, Maybe there's other towards Ariel Col Lone. Yeah, Colton Mertens, Alexis Raptus. Look, t t t pick these, just let it fucking hang. Or don't say anything, or just don't say anything. But just, like, but when you talk and it opens up, when your, like, uh, explanation opens more questions than it closes, it, it's just... 
And and what here's the worst part: the people that you attract at that point are all the head cases because you haven't said anything, but they know what you're saying, and they start saying stuff like this: "You're so brave. I God, can't you're believe mature. you're so mature. You're so brave. The fuck." So mature for your age. Wow. No, you're you're fucking broken. Yeah, look at yeah, Hopper's having a ball right now. Yeah. Jason Hopper, another one. Just fucking he just let it go. Freed himself up, took a colossal psychological shit. And he's free. You're so and, and so those people when you do that, when you give that superficial response that doesn't say anything, that has no depth to it, that doesn't set you free, the people that you attract to that are all the people who are trapped in their head, who think that they understand what you're saying. Those are the last people you want around you. You don't want to be a magnet to fucking uh mental illness. You want people to be like, damn, that bitch is real. Fuck, get yours. And like I said, I'm not putting it on anyone specific, but the team of people around those people. How about the like the the the? Uh, I know Hiller likes to point at the filmmakers a lot. Yeah, how about the filmmakers too? Are you this angry because Paul kept calling you seven? Um, um, David, I do owe you a thank you. That was fun uh, that you threw me up that alley oop. I love you, buddy. I was like, man, I gotta put some. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta snap. I need some. Hey, did you see this no rep news meme? About uh, the show? No, what was it? It says the beginning of the show is bam, we're live. The middle of the show is a guest. Then the last section of the show is a unhinged rant. And then the end of the show is I have to pee and go to the bathroom. <laughs> bam, we're live, guest interview, <laughs> unhinged rants. I got to pee, goodbye. Wow, that's amazing. Somebody that's figured it out. That's solid, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I'm in the middle of writing a book on how to have a successful podcast, and that's uh, that's going to be my cover right there. That's going to be my cover for my book. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, David, that was awesome. You just put it up there. I was like, all right, all right. I can slam this one in. I appreciate you. I love you. All right. Um, I'll try to do a new show today. I don't. I don't. I. I. I, I don't know what I'm doing today. Well, who do we have tomorrow? Um. Oh, uh, we had Paul Litchfield today. Uh, tomorrow, oh, tomorrow we have Kevin Ogar. That's going to be good. Uh, probably best sense of humor in the uh, CrossFit space. Great dude. Oh, here we go. Oh, I got a piece so bad. I can't be fucking around. Hold on, hold on. I got it. I don't have my phone hooked up. Hold on. Go figure. Uh, where's Bluetooth? Hold on, hold on. Bluetooth on. Okay, caller high. God, I got to be. Hello? Hey, Please I wonder, don't pee your pants. I wonder how many people, when I say I have to pee, they have to pee. I wonder if half the people... Dude, I gotta pee my pants right now. Oh, Gabe, what's up, dude? Chilling, man. I just actually called in real quick to to peddle some, some new merch, some new coffee. Go ahead. Go ahead. Did you uh did, did you get your, your new bag of coffee? Yeah, what 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 was the brand? What was the, the flavor? Hank. Hank. That's the that's name right. of the coffee. That's right. Hank. Hank. How'd you come up with Hank? Did you, I have the narrator. I don't know. I have the narrator bag in front of me. You just came up with Hank just out of nowhere, just like Hank. 
I didn't come up with it. Do you, did you see the little uh, the little pig and wiener dog? Oh no, no, I didn't look closely yeah. at it. I just saw it and then I probably ran off and was wiping someone's ass in the shitter. <laughs> it's uh only fifty bags available. Will be available in the next few minutes. It's a uh, it's Colton's coffee. Is so I, we, we I went, heard there's actual pig shit in it. it. I heard there's actual pig shit in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically we 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 let the beans dry and pick crap and uh and then it tastes amazing though. Hank Paper Street Coffee. I'm looking. Did you find it, Caleb? Yeah, here it is. I'm trying to beat Caleb fuck. I never beat it. Wow. <laughs> wow. Hank. So, it's a uh, yeah, it's 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 basically Colton's coffee. You get a shirt with it. So that's why it's a little, it's a uh, 49.99 and uh you get this awesome coffee. There's only 50 available. It'll never come back. Once these are gone, these are gone. Um, and yeah, we're, we're, we're excited to try out this. What did that shirt say? I love places. coffee, anal and wieners. Oh, 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 oh. Hey, that looks like anal. Just so you know. Yep. Wow. I mean that too. Flexible. A little coffee, a little coffee enema. Never hurt nobody. That's awesome. So when it goes for sale, when any second now, right now, right now, if right. Caleb pulled it up, right. it's, it's there. You get coffee and you get a shirt and you get the support Colton kicking fucking ass, kicking Justin's ass and kicking Taylor's ass during the open. God, that's going to be so good. Can you believe he's going to the shred shed to fucking war with the two time champ? Can I believe Colton's going to do epic shit? Yeah, I can believe it. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Go pee, man. I got to go pee, too. Okay, bye. Love you. I'll talk to you guys. Okay, bye. Paulina says Later, it's live. Dude. Thank you, Gabe. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Uh, love you guys. Uh, tomorrow, Kevin Ogar, he's the director of the uh, CrossFit Games for the Adaptive. That'll be cool having him on. Haven't talked to him in a long time. Uh, Wednesday, Greg Glassman. Thursday, Rafa Sanson. We find out about how he got to the country, and he's HWPO athlete. He's a cool dude. He's the Mexican version of me. And then, um, oh, my God, you know the guy on Instagram that I had on before who only ate raw meat for like 865 days? He would just get an octopus at Whole Foods and eat it. Well, now he's just eating chicken, raw chicken, and he'll be on the show Friday morning. Bam. All right, guys, love you. Got to go to beat. Bye-bye. <sighs>